Hey, yo, welcome to another edition of 43.6, the sports podcast you always wanted. I'm Dustin Perry. I'm joined by James Key. Buenos dias. And Matt Key. That's a failed attempt at Spanish. Uh, I already skipped Spanish. right past him. I thought he was. I thought he was done saying what he's trying to say. This failed uh, Spanish class. Is th- <laughs> this, as I mentioned, the sports podcast you always wanted. Follow us at forty three point six on all the socials. This is probably and most of the time a sports podcast, but a lot of times we end up diverting into a whole bunch of different things. It's a lot of fun, and I'm glad you're joining us for the tenth edition. Of Sports? 43.6, uh, not counting our special playoff edition. This is episode 10, boys. 10th anniversary. So we made it. Sports wow. sports and <laughs> lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Call we, it. We've made it to the big time. We've made it to 10 consecutive episodes. I think double that's... Double digits. Uh, yeah, we've officially in double digits, and we'll be there for quite some time. So. I, I'm not going to lie. I've been waiting to upgrade microphone till we had some consistencies like let's see how long we like commit to do this and i like honestly outside of like the one week where we pushed it to a tuesday because it just didn't work with like a holiday monday and like people had family stuff the fact that like we've done every week monday roughly the same time give or take 20 30 minutes here or there i mean that's pretty good so i i'm kind of on the fence here a friend said keep the headset mic as like a running gag for a while or and I'm like, that might what's be What's cool. the gag? What's the, what's the punchline? Well, because he just said like your guy's quality is much better than mine, and he said this doesn't sound like you when you actually talk because I've known him for years, and he's like that's probably due to the microphone. So he's like it's kind of funny if it's just a running joke like oh I'll upgrade the mic at some point. But that's but just a joke for him. That's just a joke for him. Yeah, well his jokes in his pants too, so whatever. <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, I, but with the move coming in two weeks or three weeks, maybe it's time, you know, I transition, bigger space, office, nicer mic, then maybe we start filming this all in person too, in a room together. Maybe. You well, need more space than you think, trust me. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, I mean, it's only, the room's like what, like a 13 by 15? Yeah, but if you have other stuff in it, it's not like that's you trust me, you need a lot more space than uh like cuz even when I thought about changing my office into like a studio, I was like even even moving a table, like twisting it left and right, I was like this is not going to work. Like people have to sit somewhere, ideally you want to set up a camera, you have to have equipment and like you can't just move the equipment in and out, like it's very pain in the ass to set up and leave, so you would have you'd be walking around stuff and tripping over wires all the time. It's fun uh, though. Well, we'll see. But yeah, in your I mean, basement, I have a black leather you get your, going in there. When you get your basement finished, so that's going to take up the space. <laughs> you can't have, <laughs> in a thirteen by thirteen, a black leather couch. There's there's no room. We're already gone. It's all take gone. up ten feet of the thirteen feet. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just a two seater. It's the two seater. You know what I'm it's talking. It's a casting about. couch. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> but yeah, no. When the basement's done, for sure, I'm going to set up like a section there to have like to be able to maybe like retract some of the stuff if necessary so it's just like press a button it. flip it over like ca- underground casinos yeah like i'm fucking brad pitt and mr and mrs smith right where it's like the where it's like the oven and presses the button and she flips it up and like her guns come out and then he's got the thing in the wall and his like 
uh, where all his shaving shit is, and like he's got guns hidden in there and shit. It'll be like that. There you go. Just with podcast equipment. Dustin's drawn a blank. I can see the wheels turning. He's like, "What the fuck are you talking?" No, about? I, I was just gonna say I've I've never seen that movie, so I can't really what? comment on Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's the that's the movie that broke Ben and or Brad and Jennifer up. Aren't they back together again? I don't know if that's true or not. I feel like they are. <laughs> I, 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 may I'm making that up. I don't know. Welcome, welcome to forty three point no, six. You're entertaining the podcast. Yeah, Where, where's Rick the Temp? Uh, what's uh, no? It's uh, I think you're thinking of uh, Brad uh, Benifer. I think you're thinking of Ben Affleck and right. Jennifer Lopez. Yes. Yeah, That's definitely yeah. what I'm thinking of. Don't worry, uh, his fingers on the pulse somewhere on some pulse. <laughs> better than where? But, well, maybe not better than where Ben's finger is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, J Lo is like in her fifties and she's still looking good though. Jail looks fantastic. You have yeah. no, ar- no argument coming from me. Okay. I had this conversation with my wife. Okay. So, Kate Blanchett, Jennifer Aniston, Ming-Na Wen, um, J-Lo, they're like in that pantheon of women that just don't age. Like, it's either some kind of witchcraft or they're drinking the blood of, like, children somewhere. I don't know. Not as old as the people you mentioned but someone who also i feel like hasn't aged at all is mila kunis no she hasn't she still looks like she's the high school kid from that 70s show which is gonna be weird when they do that 90s show or that 2000s show or whatever because she was 30 playing a teenager (laughs) probably no she was 16 was she yeah, she was like 16, 17 on the show and Ashton Kutcher talked all the time. He's like, it was really weird because he was like, at the time, he was like 22 and she was like 17. He's like, the scenes that they had to kiss, he got really awkward. And yeah, that, she's that like, seems, oh, stop being such a pussy. That seems like it should be no bueno, but I, we digress. All three of us digress. Entertainment well, podcast. <laughs> uh, Mila Kunis is only 38 years old currently. So maybe that's what it was because she was so young in that show that it, I mean, ultimately she still looks very good. Fantastic. Yeah. Not that oh, you yeah. shouldn't look good at 38, but you get my point. Like she just doesn't look like she's aged all that much over the number of years. There's, there's, just some, there's some people that age gracefully, like, and I'll be honest, it seems like on average, like men tend to age a little more gracefully than women. A lot of the time from, you know, look at George Clooney, look at Brad Pitt, like two shining examples with a lot of money, but you just behind named it five women and named no, two but, guys. But, no, but you know what I mean, right? It's just like it seems like that the attraction factor is typically men attracted to women when they're younger, and then women are attracted to men when they're older. Now I don't know if that's a daddy issue thing. I think it's whatever. more of a wallet. Issue I think there's thing. a lot of I yeah, think there's a lot of factors that go into this, and yeah. we don't have the <laughs> we don't have the capacity yeah. to talk about this right now. That's a four-hour yeah. podcast. Anyway, how's your guys' week? <laughs> James, you go ahead. Uh, it was fine. Um, I didn't, I didn't do my, I have nothing to say about this past week. Like I did nothing. That's it. All right. (laughs) Well, I got a haircut on Friday. So the first haircut I've gotten two and a half years. So that was fun. Yeah. You donated it, right? Yeah. I I donated all my hair to a uh, organization that 
<laughs> well, Brad Myers, I think, was definitely looking for it. He was interested in uh, being the recipient of this donation. I will, I will purchase your hair. <laughs> Funny story. Like, and I don't know if Brad will mind me sharing this, but back in the day, and I don't know if you ran into Brad in those UWA days, but Brad had hair about as long as your hair was back in the day. <laughs> and I've seen photos of this. Brad looks like he's straight out of Def Leppard in those UWA photos. Like, it's unreal. It's funny because so many of us used to go to those UWA shows and we didn't know each other at the time. So if you go back and look at some pictures and we point each other out, like you would never sometimes associate that person with who they are now. It's crazy. And you're telling me Brad has long hair in these pictures. That's terrible. Yeah, I'll get them. I'll show them to you. I'll get Brad to send them to you. It's crazy. But that's like, that's like, did you ever see the photo of Holden Albright and Matt Grant, two local indie wrestlers? They went to Raw in toronto together they didn't know each other and they sat next to each other dude that's amazing it's it's unreal there there's photos of them like cheering and it's they have no idea who each other are both now wrestlers in ontario that work together no that's no clue cool. who each other were at the time it's, that's like, crazy. it's weird how the world works that way sometimes just like strange occurrences or strange happenings and you know it's just it's it's always really cool and it's it always you know I tend to be more of a cynic or a realist kind of thing. And, you know, it kind of makes you believe that there's something out there that just drives the world and on like an ethereal level. Right. So it's, I don't know. It's cool. Or, or when you run into your doppelganger, you ever done that? Do you know how many times I've called people bootleg other people? I saw, I swear, speaking of Brad Myers, I was leaving Fairview mall today. I swear to God, I saw a bootleg Brad only he was taller and in dress clothes. No, have like, you that seen is... your racial doppelganger before? No, where it's like your black the Asian version of you or like the brown version of me or like the white oh. Dustin something like that. Like, have you ever white seen that? Dustin. White Dustin almost sounds like a drug. But no, seriously, like I, I, I swear it's happened before where you're like, oh my God, it's, you know, this version of that. I don't know. I, I've, I've noticed it weird times. Yeah, no, I've heard that I've, I've had doppelgangers. I've heard that people have said i've seen you in places i've been like that ain't me i wasn't there it's, so. it's definitely a brony show and he's hiding it have you have you ever had a doppelganger dust you ever heard anyone be like i saw you there like i swore it was you but it was they had one crooked ear or something <laughs> I, a number of times someone pointed out a picture of someone at andrade and charlotte's wedding that supposedly looked like me and it did look quite a bit like me and then i mean I think a lot of times because I'm brown, people are just like, oh, I saw this other brown guy and you're probably him. Like, for example, I remember on many occasions, but two immediately come to mind of it was a wrestling event and I don't know where it was. It doesn't matter. After the show, someone came up to me like, hey, man, good match tonight. I'm like, I'm not I'm not a wrestler, <laughs> but there is a brown guy on the card. And so I imagine that's who you probably Tarek. think you're talking to. Yeah. Even though Tarek has arms the size of my legs but somehow you think i am him right now so okay so i was gonna say with the haircut and, you you kind of look like you're playing guitar in billy talent uh yeah my hair is really high right now i'm not gonna lie I'm still like, i'm still working on like getting it right well coiffed yeah and i was well, gonna say it was the say, hair not that you're brown. the hair is the hair is fantastic though i'm not like i i i was saying this before you jumped on jim where we were doing like a little kind of set up and pre-show thing before you jumped on like man you see that and i saw the picture it's, like, she! Uh, it's the paul d francesca special right there 
That's what that is. It is. I went to. I, I don't. I, I don't think I'm going to pronounce this properly. I think it's Nardini Salon. That's right. In in uh, Mississauga. That's uh, what where, other uh, way would Paul you Anthony pronounce works. that? Um, I don't know. I I, th I feel like I have like mild dyslexia sometimes, and I th say things that are totally wrong. Nardinis. Yeah, I think that's what I used to say. Nardinis. Oh, really? Okay. Well, then I feel bad now. And <laughs> any no, I. <laughs> that's fine. Um, so yeah, that's what I did on Friday. I got my haircut thanks to uh, our boy Paul Anthony, and I'm actually going to be on his podcast this come this week, uh, the Not After Thirty podcast. So nice. Oh, cool. You've been on there a couple times. Out for that one. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk all about this podcast and probably a whole lot of wrestling. But I did cut off the hair and I donated it to uh, Child's Voice Foundation. Uh, I think their campaign is called Angel Hair for Kids. So that was something that I thought was cool that not only is it being donated, but it's going to like a child because I think that's significantly more um, needed, I guess, like for uh, children's 100%. cancer. Like, like if it's an like adult has cancer, obviously it sucks no matter what. Like anyway, you look at it, it sucks to go through this therapy and lose all your hair and whatever but for a kid you just want a kid to have a normal life right well so, yeah and like uh, a dude, an adult can buy plugs right like let's be honest like there's way more options for an adult to mitigate or kind of you know facilitate some kind of uh solution to that but for a kid it's not the same outside of getting a wig it's pretty much it right well, i think it's and also it's formative right like those are years where you might not even have the coping tools or right or you significantly less than an adult might not to say that an adult might not necessarily have trouble coping but like the odds are that the adult would have more, more tools rational in the tool way box. of approaching things. yeah right so yeah it's 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 normal at least in terms of fashion for adults at least we're talking about men obviously women's a different situation altogether yeah and that's something like you know get slapped by will smith talking about but um if we're talking about a man who is bald that's normal like, there's nothing yeah. unusual about that right so Unless that's why i chose Myers. to go with this one they're also based in canada so i like it. i've i've already mailed out the hair and i am done with that and hopefully i keep my hair short for next little while at least because it's real hot out there oh yeah. god dude it's, it's, it's gonna be 42 tomorrow and wednesday my buddy texts <laughs> yeah. me he's like you want to go golfing on wednesday I, I literally the reply was go fuck yourself <laughs> dude my air conditioning is broken in my car and i have to go to the office on wednesday which means the drive home oh, is going to be absolutely yo, treacherous bring another pair of underwear bring a pair of shorts and change before you drive dude i'm gonna pack a cooler full of ice packs <laughs> And I am stuffing the them under my ass while driving down my shirt. I do not care. That is going to be a disgusting drive. It's it's good thing that the 407 exists because without that, I would like it's it's 30 minutes on the 407. It's about uh, probably 58 to an hour if I took the 401 at that time of the day. But maybe I can even get out of work early. Maybe I can duck out and be like, it's too hot. And they'll be like, the building's air conditioning. I'll be like, no, no, no. The drive home is going to be too hot. Let me out. That's going to be a vicious duck butter session for you. Yeah. Stench level 12 out of 10. So we've, I guess we've firmly established that, you know, through this opening, Dustin, you, you did nothing last week. Dustin, you know, cut his hair and did shit for charity. And I just, what, I can't even remember how this week went outside of, you know, golfing once and hanging out with 
you on Saturday, Jim, and whatever. So firm points to Dustin for being a better person than us. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I got a couple more things. So on Saturday, I checked oh. out a, the Sound of Music Festival in Burlington. How was that? So Sound of Music Festival is something they do every year in Burlington where they just, the city ends up spending a shit ton of money and bringing in a bunch of bands to play. And it's all sorts of music. Like, I mean, I assume it's all sorts of music because I saw the lineup of artists and I'm like, I don't know who like 90% of these people are. And there was times where I saw a bunch of people in cowboy boots and flannel, like walking in the opposite direction. So like, I think there are some country artists here, but like, I'm just using context clues at this point. But I went there specifically to see Finger Eleven because they were the headline on Saturday. And they were awesome, as they always are. And they Is it, didn't... Isn't his voice going? The lead Who, singer? Uh, lead singer? I, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, as far as that one particular concert went, uh, he was fine. But I don't know if that's a thing that's happening to him regularly. But what I will tell you, before Finger Eleven was uh, a, a classic band. A band that um, I didn't know that I never want to see ever again until I saw them. And I'm like, I never want to see this band ever again. And that's Biff Naked. Oh, God, what a reference. Woo. Okay, here's it's not good, eh? It's not that they were bad. Although there was times where I'm like, I don't know if anyone's even singing right now. They're just playing a sample of like the chorus. But if she was actually doing that and there was another like, backup vocal as well if they were actually doing that they were doing a hell of a job but the problem was in between every song she would go on a tirade for like five minutes about absolutely nothing she would just talk and talk it was like what where am i like what are we doing right now like is this like some like a time chart chart. Like, are you working on your stand-up like what, what is this so uh Highly don't recommend ever seeing Biff Naked. <laughs> the, highly don't recommend. I don't recommend seeing a guy named Biff Naked either. But That's a girl, isn't it? No, I'm just it's saying. 100% he's like, I don't recommend seeing Biff Naked. I'm like, oh, oh I see uh, what you're saying. Like, oh, Biff Tannen. Yeah, Biff Tannen. I was just Tannen, gonna say, like, from Back to the Future. Um, here's the real question: Did Finger Eleven play Kane's entrance theme? They did not. And then it's not worth going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't necessarily blame them because they haven't played that in concert in a very, very, very long time. Also, what Actually, were they called before Finger Eleven? Was it Butthole Surfers or Rainbow Butt Monkeys? Which one was it? It was Rainbow Butt Monkeys. Butthole Surfers is a different band. Okay. Butthole Surfers in uh, today's world carries an entirely different meaning. Or maybe it's the same. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of reasons as to why they changed their name to Finger Eleven. I but, don't even want to know why. <laughs> <laughs> this is not about Finger Eleven. This podcast is not about donating hair. This podcast is about sports. And here are the sports stories that we are going to attempt to talk about today. We're going to talk about the Golden State Warriors being your NBA champions. We're going to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning on the ropes. We're going to talk about a whole bunch of coaches in the NHL just being put into the coaching blender and being scrambled around and being placed in other places. BMO Field getting their renovation because they've officially been named a host of the 2026 World Cup. Blue Jays and Yankees went down this past weekend, and we have some thoughts. And then finally, the most interesting story, I think, is in our wrestling corner, and that's going to be Vince McMahon stepping down as CEO and chairman of WWE. But first, before we get to all that, I think it's worth 
starting with this, I know we haven't talked a whole lot of NBA in the past couple of weeks, but we do have a brand new NBA champions. And that is, of course, the Golden State Warriors. So congratulations to the Golden State Warriors and congratulations to Steph Curry, who was named the NBA Finals MVP for the first time in his career. Um, and also, of course, we have to mention congratulations to Andrew Wiggins, a good Canadian boy who gets an NBA championship, something that a lot of people didn't necessarily think was going to happen when it happened. Like, obviously, when Andrew Wiggins came into the the league, he was being called Maple Jordan. Like people thought this guy was going to be an incredible star in the league. And he hasn't quite reached that potential of superstardom in the NBA. But obviously now he has his NBA championship and the sky's the limit for this guy, especially the way Iguodala has kind of taken him under his wing to be a great role player on this team. But my question to you guys, I want to throw some numbers at you and get your opinion on this. Steph Curry now has won an NBA championship in 2015, 2017, 2018, and 2022. He's won the MVP twice, not including the NBA Finals MVP, which he now has. He also has an NBA All-Star Game MVP. And then obviously there's like a bazillion All-Star Game bullshit that he has attached to his name. Four rings, two MVPs. If you are starting a team right now, Let's say every single player in the NBA is thrown into a pool of players that you can take, and it's your pick in the draft, and you can take Steph Curry, or you can take LeBron James. Oh, who do you take? Oh, like as of right now, or like in their prime, like today? As of right now, we're starting brand new in the 2023 season. LeBron James is 37 years old, and Steph Curry's 34. Steph, not even just the age thing; it's just the way the game's played now. Like with the prevalence of the three ball, how it's the three ball is your primary option for offense. And then it's you work out to in. So you go from the key out, three is your option. And if that's not there or it's being heavily defended, then you start moving low. Okay. So you get to, you know, the free throw line or just inside the key, and then you work low to the paint if you have to. So where the where basketball used to be, and we used to shit on the NBA coach for this, uh, who was it? Who was before Dwayne Casey? Sam Mitchell? Um, I don't know, but always just every play was pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll. And it was like, that's not the NBA anymore, right? Where it's get the ball low to the paint, and you know you go for the bucket and if that's not available to you then you kick it out and shoot the three now it's you make the play cycle the ball to try and get the three open and if not then you go for either the mid-range mid-range jumper or then into the paint and usually the paint's really just the option play if the shot misses uh, if right? you were saying, sorry you said who's the head coach before Dwayne casey yes Immediately in my head, I, I thought Sam Mitchell, but that's not right. It was Jay Triano. I totally forgot about Jay okay, Triano. Okay, and then that's perfect because it was Jay Triano, who, one of the two, who just, it was pick and roll every play. So just off that fact alone of how today's NBA is played, Steph Curry, because what you did leave out is he's now, I think, the most prolific three-point shooter in the NBA history. Um, so, and you could argue that two of those rings he did with a lot of help but two of them he did it with just him and clay essentially and this one he kind of did it with half of clay right but 
to be fair, how many LeBron's rings did he win with a lot of help? Yeah, with D Wade and Bosch and right. you know. Um I, I would say the only real substantial ring that LeBron won was the one in Cleveland because he had Kevin Love, but like come on. That's not comparable to a Kevin Durant or Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade in their prime. So I, I honestly I would probably say Steph. And I mean, like, look what he did with Wiggins, as you said. I mean, I feel Wiggins played out of his mind and shut a lot of people up. He's still got a long way to go to really live up to that initial hype, but I think he did a lot to shut people up in this series. I think it's also worth pointing out that one of LeBron's four rings was the uh, Disneyland ring or Disney World ring uh, whatever. in 2020. Whatever. No, or was that that was LA, right? I'm not, yeah. Am I making that up? That was the 2020 year, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, just just saying. Uh, James, I don't know if you want to add to that. I have another question leading off this, though. No, I was gonna say like when a lot of people were <clears throat> talking about Steph's legacy coming into this finals and saying, you know, can he be considered one of the greatest without a Finals MVP? Because the previous three rings, I believe, two of them were Durant and one was Iguodala. So a lot of people were saying, can he be considered one of the greats? without that finals MVP and now that he has it um, you know when you, when you talk about like it, it's such a weird comparison to compare the two because LeBron is such an all around like athlete and guy who can do everything on the court like shoot threes defend pass dunk like he's, he's slash like he's kind of got all of it but the thing that stands out about Steph Curry is you know, and you'll see this in a lot of headlines and stuff, and we've been saying it for years, is this era of basketball, you know, you talk about the game as a three-point outside motion game. That's because of Steph. Like, Steph changed. He was the catalyst to change from the crash and bang, and that's why less, you know, big, bulky, Greg Oden-type dudes are getting drafted, and you have to be able to move, and you have to be able to, you know, with the, the advent of a zone defense, like, you have to be able to switch and move and, and things because the ball's moving uh, around a lot more than it has in, in in decades or eras previous. So, you know, it's it's Steph's era of basketball that he kind of created um, and he gets to excel in. So um, I would probably... St- that's tough. I don't know. Like, fuck, man. Either one you pick, you're going to be off to the races. Um but you probably could build a better all-around team with Steph. I think, I think you get, I think you get more in more areas from Steph than you do from LeBron. Mostly because I think, um, I don't, I don't think he'll command that much attention on a team the way LeBron does. And I know that's a weird kind of side angle to it, but um, I think Steph has the ability to to stay under the radar when need be, and I don't know LeBron has that. And like, if I was a GM, I wouldn't want LeBron trying to make my team. <laughs> I think what also is interesting, and I'm looking at a list of like current NBA players who have the most rings, and the the answer is four: Steph Curry with four, LeBron James with four. But it's also interesting. You have Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala. And Clay Thompson, all with four, because they've been on all those Golden State teams that we talk about Steph Curry winning these rings. So if you look at it, if you look at this list of like, there really hasn't been a situation where you've had four guys all with that many rings from the same team. 
like you can go up and take a look at this uh, obviously the the six rings with Jordan and Pippen. And yeah, they won those in the in the nineties. But like what that was only the two, the two of them. How many did the Spurs get with Duncan and, and crew and Ginobili and Parker? I think Duncan only got two rings, no? Two and Duncan maybe. five. Oh, he's got five? Okay, I'm fucking stupid. And how many did he do he with does, Ginobili? But like but uh Steve Kerr won three of his two rings with the Bulls, right? Or sorry, three of his five rings with the Bulls. Only two of those were with Duncan. Yeah, but how many how many rings did Duncan have with Ginobili and Parker? Parker that would, has four rings. So there you go. So that would be the other because Tony Parker only played for the Spurs. And Ginobili, yeah, sorry, Ginobili's there too. So Ginobili and Parker both have so, four, and I guess yeah, Duncan has the one more. So that would be the most recent comparison of a a team that held the similar core and and but, succeeded. But again, that's only that's three of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know I'm what I'm saying. Like that's that's four guys who all have that. I'm sure there's a fourth guy on that team. We're talking about Steph Curry. <laughs> we're talking about Curry being 34 years old. He could probably and, win another couple if you. And that's that's essentially where my next question is going. Is we I know LeBron has been chasing Jordan his entire career, for better or worse. Like that's always been the flag that he's planted down that he wants to. I don't know if he wants to match Jordan or pass him in terms of rings. But Steph Curry and this and this roster have just as good of a chance of catching Jordan as LeBron does. I oh, think better, more. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. LeBron gets another ring unless. And this is going to sound he gets weird. Help? No, no, no. I think it's the other way around. I think LeBron gets another ring being a role player on another team that adds him as a piece, like a last piece on a run, similar LeBron to like the Golden State. No, no, maybe. I, that sounds funny, but maybe that's it. Like, I don't know if it's um, comparable to when, you know, you add that that wily vet in the NHL, right? Like that guy who puts you over the hump. Because um, I, don't, I don't know that he does it as the centerpiece of a team. I don't know that. And I guess maybe again, that's that- going back to the original question. Like if I was drafting a team, maybe that's the answer. Like if I can't see him as a centerpiece and I see him more as a not a complimentary sounds so weird when you're talking about LeBron James, but as a final piece well, to a puzzle. He's approaching 40 years old, right? He's in his late 30s, so he's going to get to that point in his career where he is a complimentary piece if he wants to keep playing in the NBA. It's He, I, he would be the Ray Bork acquisition for a team. Like, that's... No. Yeah. I, I have two points to this. Two, two things to this. One has something to do with this. One is kind of a bit of a tangent, but one... I don't think LeBron's ego can handle being a role piece, even if it's chasing rings to get to Jordan. I don't like you see how he handles teams now, where even though there's a GM and a coach, he's like, I'm running this team, you know? And I think Steph is way more of understanding he is that team. He is the face of Golden State, but he listens to Steve Kerr and he plays in the system and he's coachable. LeBron's not coachable. LeBron doesn't listen to anybody. The coach is there as a figurehead, and he coaches the other guys to how LeBron tells him to coach those guys around him. And the GM gets the players that LeBron says he wants to play with, and he won't play with anybody else. So, and I think LeBron retires more before he signs like a mid to low level deal to chase a ring. Like I, I firmly believe that. And my other point is, and it's kind of kind of spurred on by running the numbers that. Dustin said, at what point do we start saying Steve Kerr may be one of the greatest basketball individuals in history? 
on both sides as a of the player, court, yeah. as a coach. When he passes Bill Russell. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a different era, though. Like, yeah. Yeah, and you, you, know you did I mean? like you did say one of. I mean, he's obviously one of the top basketball minds. And just to go back to LeBron thing, like, don't take what I said as, oh, will LeBron be a uh, complimentary piece? I don't think he will either. But if the man no. wants another ring, like that's the path. Like, yeah, that's not, what he would have to do. Like, he would have to suck it up if he wants to chase those rings. Right, but yeah, I think you're right. That's a good point. Like Steve Kerr, as a, as a figurehead figure in the sport, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. He's got to be up there. Player, like, coach, like you talk you, about. You got to know he's got a hand in building that team in terms of player acquisition or whatever, and not culture. just that. Like he uses his his platform too to really like advocate for the things he believes in and things that he believes are truly right. Where a lot of guys in that position are like, you know, yeah, there's a lot going on, but you know, I got you know, that's there's people that's beyond my pay grade. And yeah, well, it's that's, culture, right? That's it's it's uh, it's a winning culture mentality amongst a team, like, and it's like you said, like LeBron. You look at even the two different, like the the teams he he jumps from team to team trying to build a scenario, right? Like he jumped from Cleveland to Miami, built that scenario, jumped back to Cleveland, built a new scenario, didn't like it, jumped to LA, so. I don't, and now he's, you know, tried to build that scenario. And it's not working. So I don't know. And I believe there was a quote that said he'd be open to going to Golden State. So, like, and I, the best one though, I saw the meme. It's like the Players Tribune image. And it was Kevin Durant being like, why he chose back, <laughs> why he chose to go back to, to Golden State, which is hilarious. <laughs> Cause like, that the man, I will can't say that. Win. That's another point too. We vilify, and I know, we have a really good friend of ours, Jim Jeff, who vehemently, vehemently despises Kevin Durant. Oh, I'm with for him. Going to Golden State to win like the titles, right? Leaving OKC, doing that. Yeah. At what point do we treat LeBron the same way? Because he's essentially doing the same thing. I think. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. But I think. And maybe I have to look deeper into Kevin Durant's and all the moves that he's made. But like when LeBron went back to Cleveland, I feel like that gives him a pass because no one wants to go to Cleveland. And he went back and won a championship there. But he did that just to he didn't do that because he wanted to. I feel like he did that because he was like my image. And this is the only way I can really restore it after the whole. I'm going to take my talents to South Beach. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't like, know. I just think, like, as much as I don't agree with the ring chasing and jumping from team to team, I get it, especially in sports where it's so hard to win one. Um, but at the, I just, I really think that the argument and the playing field should be level, where if you're going to criticize Durant for it, you have to criticize LeBron for it. You know what's funny? We talk about Steph and creating the era of the three ball and, like, that era of basketball, like on the same side of things, LeBron created the era of the super team. Like that, that wasn't, yeah. I mean, maybe there were super teams in, in the NBA, like the Celtics. Well, the Celtic, the I think Lakers, the Celtics did it. You know, Garnett, Pierce, Ray, Ray Allen. Allen. Yeah. But like, I'm talking like the, well, like maybe. Right, like, no, like if you're 
playing NBA Live 2005 and yeah. just fucking turn off, like, turn on auto force, accept trades and force you trade. your fucking yeah. team. Yeah. Who hurt you? Why are you playing NBA Live? Because that was the <laughs> only game back then. In 2005? No, it wasn't. 2K5 was I around. 2K5 100% was around. 2K was around since like 2K. No, but NBA Live 2005 had that sick dunk contest. So yeah, don't add me. They did have the fun dunk that contest. Had the, I used to play a lot of three-point shooting in that one. And that had the Carmelo on the cover, I think. Yeah, I think so. But so. yeah, I don't know. I think like, I, I for what Durant did, yes. But he's just working with, he's working on the field that was laid before him by those Celtics and by LeBron going to Miami. The thing with Durant, though, is that everywhere he goes, he can't win. <laughs> Except for Golden State. Like, he I couldn't mean, that win. dude played an MVP level this year, though, and he had zero help from guys like Kyrie and Harden. Hey, those are supposed to be the guys, right? Like, they're supposed to be the guys. And you got, like, in OKC, he had Westbrook, Harden, and himself, and Serge, and I don't know if there's anybody else there that was key. Um... And then Golden State. But again, he went to Golden State. On that team, he was, what, third option on the Golden no, State was, team? He, I would no. say he was second option on that. Yeah, second? he was second. And even first at some points in some some schemes, he was the I mean, first. depending on how, yeah, depending on how you're classifying option, like he did, win the MV, the he did win the MVP twice. So, yeah. But like, right. <laughs> and then, but like Brooklyn, like, I don't know. Maybe it's different because LeBron does win everywhere he goes. I don't know. I mean, yeah, LeBron. I guess you you can't take that away from LeBron. Where like we we make fun of him, but like he's won a champion. Other than his first run in Cleveland, he no, won every a city. pair in Miami. Every city he he's won gone one to. in Cleveland. Yeah, I'm saying like other than that first run in Cleveland, he didn't win anything at that point. But when he went to Miami, he won two. Came back to Cleveland, won another. Went to LA, won another. I don't necessarily think it's un it's unheard of for him to go somewhere else and win another now. And what's his run of finals? If you go look at LeBron's run of finals not just winning titles that's crazy how many finals yeah, he appeared in? the the problem with that is is like as much as he could have gone to like nine straight nba finals the the thing is is that it's always going to be the comparison is people are going to be like you went to nine straight nba finals and won what three and then people will say jordan went to seven and won six or jordan went to six and won six yeah like right? and so and he got beat by it, some it, teams that were really good teams uh, like the Mavericks and the Spurs, like they got, they were good all around teams. Like they didn't have a LeBron and, and Golden State. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting, but I definitely think Steph. I think Steph's earned his place. I I mean I think he was there before the MVP, the Finals MVP, but I think now that just kind of solidifies it. How old is Draymond? Of, oh, Draymond's up there. I think he's like thirty six. I can't tell you. I don't know. I don't have his birth certificate on me handy. So, and I think also Draymond's firmly in the position of transitioning into media. <laughs> yeah, he's. I mean, whoever, whoever, like ESPN or TNT, whoever gets him, like he he can take the seat of uh, Shaq or or well, what's he's got his post game podcast. He's already got a deal in place. He does post. He does. Dude, his own he's, podcast only he's only thirty two. He's only thirty two. Okay. But he does his post-game podcast where mm-hmm. after win or lose, he does a podcast and then he's already signed and does 
media work already. I don't remember who it's for, and I think he's just going to go right into it when he's done. I mean, at Clay, this point, he's probably like, why not? Clay's 32. Don't forget, the Golden State also has James Wiseman, who hasn't played a ton because of injury, but second overall pick um, in the draft. And if Wiggins stays. And if Wiggins stays, like, between Clay being 32, Draymond being 32, Wiseman basically a rookie, uh, Wiggins being young, like Jordan Poole, dude, Jordan Poole, who's still young. Yeah, like they could be you, there for another three, four years for sure. Yeah, like, you, they, there's it's not outside the realm of the possibility that they win three more championships. Yeah, no, I agree. But, and be, they set themselves up for the future, which is crazy. Like to have guys like Poole, <laughs> Wiggins, telling Wiseman, Clay and Steph to stay home and tanking and getting second overall pick. Right, like fuck, man. <laughs> Yeah, Golden State looks like they're going to be in good shape for a long time. And someone who doesn't look like they're in good shape right now is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I don't know if that's going to hold up based on what happens tonight because we're recording literally as this game is happening. So uh, maybe tomorrow happens and all of a sudden, you know, it's a 2-1 series and it's much to do about nothing. But if Tampa ends up losing this game and goes down 3 nothing, I think we can just award the Stanley Cup to the Colorado Avalanche because they have looked very, very, very good so far, even without Nazem Kadri in the lineup, as crazy as that is. I know the conversation for a long time with the Lightning has been, and maybe this is a Maple Leafs outlook on something, but the conversation for a long time with Tampa is they're going to run out of gas eventually, right? Like, they've played a lot of hockey. They've played into the Cup Final three years now like at some point they like they are definitively the team that has played the most hockey over this stretch of time over the past four or five years or whatever than anyone has it, at least as long as we can remember uh, i guess we have to go back to like the days of the islanders or the days of the oilers in the 80s like it's been a long time since we've seen a dynasty in the nhl i don't know if that's what this is or maybe it's just because Colorado is just this good. And maybe I, I myself hasn't, haven't given Colorado enough credit. Colorado, yeah. <laughs> has, Colorado has won eight games in a row. And they're 14-2 and two in the playoffs. That is, they, they swept St. Louis in six, swept, and are now on the road to sweeping the lightning like that is that is some unheard of shit in the that NHL. is pretty remarkable when you're, you're yeah. on a quest of getting 16 wins and thus far you made it th you made it this far and 14 you're on like, win 14 and you've only lost two along the way so far that's without crazy. your starter for a lot of it too yes you know we're talking about goaltenders remember francus johnny <laughs> Johnny Francis, right? Like we're Franchise. making fun of all the situations that they're dealing with, but they're dealing with it. And they, they are looking like a championship team right now. The avalanche yeah. play a, a cohesive team game. Like Jared Bednar has them playing. Ironically, the way Tampa, I think was playing, like they're so cohesive as a team like that last game, there's I didn't watch all of it. I watched uh, bits and pieces and then a lot of the highlights. But like 
when the highlights have zero opportunities by Tampa, and when I watched the game, I was telling my brother, like three or four of those seven goals were identical goals. And like you said, it was because Tampa had to get silly because of being down. But a lot of them were like odd man, the same odd man rush or the same felt like two on O shot far side, Makar, Manson, like very identical goals, which to your point about running out of gas, like maybe they just can't keep up. Like I've, I watched, I watched Nathan McKinnon skate out of the corner with the puck. There's nobody in the NHL that moves laterally with the puck, moving his hands at that size that as Nathan McKinnon. There's nobody who skates as smooth forward or backward than Kale McCarr. Like they have guys who are the very best at what they do on that team. Like they don't have superstars throughout the lineup, but they have guys who are just otherworldly at the things they do on that team. And it's like Kale McCarr, my, my brother keeps reminding me, he's 22. <laughs> that is not fair. Like he's 22 years old. That is this like defenseman, like you said, we said like I think he's 23, but anyways, but yeah, but like, early they 20s. don't reach their prime to 26, 27 sometimes. Like, yeah. what is the ceiling for this kid? Right? You know, it, and it bothers me when I look at this Avalanche team and I think they couldn't figure out this Olympics thing, could they? Like this team Canada oh with McCarr. With Nathan McKinnon, with McDavid. Connor McDavid, like, Mitch yeah. Marner, <laughs> with Mar, like this would have been an a, insane a captain Sidney Crosby, like even you know, like yeah, like the the swan song for Sidney Crosby, his last Olympics. We'll never get that another Olympic moment with Crosby. He'll be retired by the time the NHL goes back to the Olympics. But like, how dude. exciting that team would have been! Like, not yeah. even a powerhouse like the one in Sochi was. We're just the greatest defensive international team ever seen. And just, you know, kind of held onto the puck a lot. You couldn't get away from them. They were big, fast, and strong. But just how exciting that team would have been. And how fast. Like, how would you yeah. stop that team? This team would you be know, different the, than that team. Like, it, it, would, it would be run and gun. Like, like they, 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 let's be honest. The team that Canada would put on the ice for Beijing would have not been defensive specialists, right? Like, they would have been... Like but they wouldn't when, have needed to be. No, they would have been like when this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you see some serious <laughs> shit. Like it's the only yeah. the only thing that Canada, and now we're off on a thing, but whatever. The only thing that Canada would have needed is a goaltender. But then, if Carey Price was playing and he was at 100% health, I mean, I don't think that's but the he issue. Would, he Bro, they would have had Mike, they would have been, had Mike Smith. Been yeah, there you go. Uh, I think Bennington probably would. Oh, oh, <laughs> I, was, I, I, was, I was joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was saying, oh, because I do have the game on in the background. Colorado almost scored. But um, I think what surprises me is I had said this and, you know, we had talked about this. I'm a, I was firmly in the Colorado bandwagon from the start. You know, I fully thought they were going to be the Western finalists for sure. Um. But what shocks me is not just them, how they're playing against Tampa, it's how efficiently they're dealing with them. Yeah. Like, with like a ruthless efficiency. It's, there's no time with the puck for Tampa. And that all starts again. The back end, that top pairing of Makar and Taze is 
is that would have been the top pairing for Team Canada, right? It's those two guys. And it's the scary thing is, is how well they move. But even though they're not big bruising guys, like, you know, we had in other Team Canada teams, they can still play physical. They still get in there and their speed and their mobility and agility, let them get out of situations way better than 90% of forwards, right? Makar is essentially a better skater. He's probably the best skater on the ice anytime he touches the ice. And he can play for 30 minutes and he feels fine. And I know there's a lot of people that kind of say, well, you know, he's young. It's still a long way to go. But as Jim said, just the fact that defensemen tend to mature so much later and he's already the best one in the league. Man, it's... I feel bad for Colorado because you know this is a... Oh, Colorado just scored. You know that this is likely this year and next year might be their last shot at this. Because one, you know McKinnon's getting a pay grade. Up, like raise. He's making like what? Six and a half million right now on that deal he signed six years ago. And then you know coming out of that entry level deal Makar isn't taking oh yeah I'll do the three million for three year bridge contract. Makar is actually already signed. For how long? <laughs> you know, uh, five years? He's making nine million a season. Oh yeah they did do that deal. I remember, yeah. Right, but, but that's exactly your point. Like he's, they have to now pay Makar nine million dollars instead yeah. of him making the whatever seven hundred some thousand dollars he would have been. Yeah, making. but now I they're they're gonna have some choices to make. But again, they could just be like Tampa. They they could have the culture of Landis Cog, Brantonen, McKinnon, and Makar just establish the standard of what it takes to be part of this team. And if you don't buy into it, GTFO, because that's kind of how Tampa runs. Right. May I, may I remind you too that Colorado was also without Sam Gerrard. Yeah, like their defense is stupid, and like so you have so your top four for Tampa after this year is going to be Makar, Taze, Bowen, Byram, Sam Gerrard. Yeah, that's that's nasty. So <laughs> they still have Eric Johnson on the roster. Oh yeah, yeah. he's a. <laughs> Let's not forget. <laughs> yeah. How much well, is he like, making? That's the thing is, you know, it's. Colorado, they're probably going to be a decent team, but I think they recognize that this is their best shot, and the guys all bought in. They know McKinnon, there's a good chance he's, you know, it's 50-50 if he stays. If he wins a cup, I think it's more likely he leaves. Who? Someone who I, I imagine probably doesn't stay is uh, Manson. I assume he's probably gone just based on the situation with their cap. Now, no, they have cap space currently, but like like you're saying, if you're looking towards the future and you have one year left to McKinnon, who's making six point three. You have, you know, decisions Jesus. to make, as you say. I don't know if Manson's going to be on the list of guys to bring back because they need a goaltender as well. Yeah, Eric I wouldn't Johnson, be surprised if Manson goes back to Anaheim. To be honest, Eric Johnson makes six million a year for another sure year. Does. Another yep. year, no he, he trade needs that clause. Money. No, he move needs that clause. money though. His his family screwed him out of some money. No, that's Jack so, Johnson. No, yeah, that's Jack Johnson. Jack, fuck all these yeah. Johnsons, man. Just piss me. Whatever, man. Fucking okay. Colorado's great. Eh? Tampa's gonna get run out, and it's a transition into Colorado being the greatest team in the league. But that I, was a I, wild story, though, with Jack Johnson. Yeah, it's crazy. 
But I, I do like the quote that I think it was Makar had going into this series. And he had said, he's like, they're looking to build a dynasty. We're looking to start a legacy. And I mean, as much as everyone's like, oh, this is going to be the, like such a fantastic series and blah, blah, blah. It's been one-sided for probably five and a half out of six periods so far. What really bugs me, though, when I watch this Colorado team, dude, is that they they mimic it's the, the template for so, the Leafs. <laughs> it's so much, man. Like, Landis Cog and Tavares, like, Marner and... Rantanen. Rantanen, uh, McKinnon, Math, like... Well, there's no Makar comparable, but like it's it's just like the templates right there. But it comes down to the guys that that play under those guys too, like JT Comfort, the Nazem Kadri's, like those, the Nichushkins, yeah, the the Burakovskis. Like those are the guys. Like those are the horses that I keep saying the Leafs need that we don't, and it's on full display with with Colorado. Um, right now so the funny thing is i'm just looking at makar's uh 8 by 10 on hockey db and i assume it's the 8 by 10 used everywhere he looks like a child because <laughs> like, he is he looks like a little boy <laughs> and that's what's so scary about this guy like he is going to be so good for so long yeah he really is a staple like he's he's a staple of an organization and to think that he was drafted fourth fifth fourth and there were three other teams. Uh, he, was, he was fourth overall. Three other teams that could have taken that man. I hate that. Well, I, I hate. Mean, I, I hate the hindsight is twenty twenty draft thing. But like, it's littered in the NHL with guys that's like, oh, you should have taken here. You should have taken there. I feel like in no other sport, like the revisionist history of taking somebody is as bad as the NHL. Like the prognostication is the most difficult in the NHL. Maybe out with the other exception being baseball, but there's so many players in baseball that it's. Well, it's isn't weird. there like thirty rounds in baseball draft, Dustin? You know better than I will. <laughs> it's it's a yeah, it's a lot of draft, and plus there's Rule Five draft, and there's the international draft pool as well. There's a lot of, oh, but there's significantly more players that play baseball in the world than there is players hockey that play players. hockey. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And but also I mean, your like, NHL roster isn't is like half the size as a major league baseball roster. But I mean yeah. like in in NFL you draft a quarterback if he doesn't pan out, like guess what? A bunch of those quarterbacks probably don't pan out, right? Like how many quarterbacks did the Cleveland Browns draft that didn't work out? You know? It, <laughs> like in the NFL either they're they're really fucking awesome or they just don't make it. Like that's what it feels like sometimes. So like in the NHL it's like you, you you pick these guys who are supposed to be like incredible and they just like there's so many like in any i guess what i'm trying to say in the years in the nfl like if a guy sucks like it feels like all of them suck like it's just a bad draft year in the nhl it feels like if you pick a guy and he sucks there was like eight guys after <laughs> you immediately that turn out to be superstars like i and maybe it's because a leaf fan and i've watched it happen for so many years where the leafs could have had Braden point claude Giroux, this guy that guy and they draft these fucking like career echlers and you're just like what happened like who missed this right so, so uh, Makar was drafted in the 2017 draft, and uh, Maddie was right. It was fourth overall. Do you remember who went first, second, and third? Uh, Nolan Patrick, uh, Nico Heeshear, 
were one and two. So uh, he sure was one. Patrick was two. Three in that draft would have been... It was Dallas. Oh, no. Heiskanen. Heiskanen. Miro Heiskanen. It was Heiskanen. So all solid NHL players. Not Kale McCarr. Not generational. (laughs) Obviously, McCarr is definitely the best one. Uh, Elias uh, Pedersen was the actual... What? What? I always thought it was Pedersen. It's Peterson. Peterson. This is the. I thought it was Pedersen too. Dyslex, this is the dyslexia no, picking up again. No, I, I thought it was Pedersen. No, okay. It was it, it for a long time. It was Pedersen, and then his second year, he was doing an interview, and he told people, "No, it's Peterson." So okay. you're not wrong, but wrong. it's Peterson. <laughs> um, you know what? It, like, you know what shocks me? Go back to the Morgan Riley draft. You redo that draft, Riley. I think 75% of the time goes first overall. You know what? For one of those shows where it's a slow summer, I say we go back and we pick X amount of years in drafts and look at the Maple Leafs draft picks and look at the top five players that were drafted (laughs) after those draft picks. And I bet you we would be astounded and or if you also really want to hurt yourself, look at the years where the Leafs didn't have a draft pick because they traded it away for God knows what and see what that pick turned out to be. Well, Tyler Sagan stands front and center and same with Dougie Hamilton, right? In your mind. But the 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 what you're saying about the NHL being littered with those is the best examples are Detroit getting Datsuk in the seventh round and Zetterberg in the fifth or sixth. Or look at Patrick Hornquist. He was drafted last in the seventh round. He was the last player to go last pick in a Larry. draft. And the last time they did seven rounds. So he's the last player to ever go in a seventh round of the NHL draft. That will ever happen. And like it's it's I think it's because there's so much unknown with hockey that especially taking European guys because a lot of them are could be younger, could be kids and you know they're playing in men's leagues because they don't have anywhere else to play so they may become something much better but I think they get lost playing with you know some of those older guys sometimes so it's kind of tough but there's also something to be said that getting the right kid with the right coaches in the NHL because I think out of any other sport maybe more so than baseball and basketball, uh, football, it's kind of hard to say. But I think coaches are way more hands-on in hockey than the other big four. There's a, so hockey there's is a- such a transitional sport, and I think there's something to that. Like, basketball, it's like you're on the floor a lot. Like, you play football, you have your role, and if you do it, you're, you're good. Baseball, again, your position. Like, hockey's so transitional in that you're on and off the bench. You're... Your things are in motion. You're moving into different position covering. Like you're having to think about so many things at once. That you're right. I do think the coach has such a a, a big impact on players. But like, I mean, the European thing is one thing. But the OHL can be such a or the CHL, I guess. Like all three leagues can be such a false flag for like a lot of these players. Like you go look at players who score a gajillion points in junior that just end up never making it like the number one that comes to mind for me is Corey lock Corey lock scored a shit ton of points in the chl it just never panned out well, george larock had a 120 point season in junior <laughs> same with you nick know. kiprios nick kiprios lit it up in the o 
Yeah. So it's just a weird dynamic for for prognosticating, you know, draft picks and futures in the NHL. It's such it's such a tough gig. Yeah. Dustin had a point though. Yeah, well, I wanna jump off a couple things Maddie said. So first of all, I appreciate that you called out Morgan Riley and I think we also need to call out a guy like Brian Burke, who was the one who drafted him. And if you remember that draft, people thought oh. he was fucking insane for yeah. drafting. He is Morgan fucking Riley. insane. I mean, I'm not denying that. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler Biggs. But, but what I'm saying is, for all the shit that have been has been given to Brian Burke, and a lot of it he deserves, you have to sometimes give credit where credit is due and give him credit for taking essentially a flyer on Morgan Riley. When After he was the drafted, surgery. there was the knee surgery. He didn't play a lot the previous year. He had, like, if you look at his point totals from his last year uh, leading into the draft, his point totals weren't where they should be for someone in the top five in the NHL draft. But as Maddie said, like, if you look at it now, he's probably the number one player in the first round. If you don't, I mean, other than like, uh, I don't know, like Forsberg or something probably would go first overall. But like he's in that conversation of like the best guys in that draft class. And I think we, Burke deserves some credit for that. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is in other drafts, he was absolutely fucking atrocious. Number one being the Tyler Biggs. Yeah, the Tyler Biggs, Stuart Percy draft <laughs> where they had two picks in the first round and the guys that went after him, like Ricard Raquel, uh, Scott Mayfield, uh, Boone Jenner, John Gibson, the goaltender, Brandon Saad, like they're. I think also Claude Giroux in one of those drafts as well. Yes, I I think he is. Um, so Blake Coleman was in that draft, in 2011. Yeah, um, but no one like dude, no one. Jor- dude, Blake Jordan Col- Bennington. Blake Coleman was until he went to Tampa. Jordan Bennington went just after Josh Levo. Just saying. Okay, but. What has he done? He had like a Cinderella run with St. Louis and won them a cup. He wasn't even their starter in the playoffs. Do you know who was picked 104th in that draft? Which draft? Morgan Riley's? 2011. No, Tyler Biggs. Johnny Hockey? Yes, sir. Yo, nice. Or Do you have it in front of you? (laughs) I have it in front of me. (laughs) (laughs) You said it was such cavalier that I was just like, oh, shit. Josh Manson was taken 160. Yeah, but that's okay. But this is like such hindsight, right? Yeah, like so many. Of these but that's guys. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like that, it's making my like, point. Oh, no, but Brian Burke would have been crucified if he had picked Johnny Goudreau yeah. in the first round because at the time he wasn't ranked accordingly. So you can't say that oh he should have been drafted right. But that's what I'm Tyler saying. Biggs. I mean, he probably. I mean, obviously in the grand scheme of things, looking back at it now, yes, he absolutely should have been drafted. But what I'm saying a guy is, who character- didn't play a single game in the NHL. Characteristically, and I said maybe it's because we're in Toronto. It feels like that happens to us all the time. And what Matt was saying was, if you look at other teams like a Detroit, it doesn't happen to them. Like Detroit very rarely gets caught holding the bag on prospects. Like very rarely. If not, if anything, they like you said, they find them in the later rounds. They find the gems. So I just... Maybe it's, you know, revisionist depression looking at some of this shit, but it's, you know, it's it's just so well, unfortunate. I'm sure it comes down to a lot of things. Like, 
it's systemic within the organization of how you are scouting and how you're developing and how you're coaching. And I think around the NHL, coaching is just a weird thing where it's the same 32 guys who get all the same jobs. So uh, we saw a bit of the coaching blender happen this week. And I'm trying to keep track of uh, exactly who left where, but I believe it was uh, Pete DeBoer, who is now with the Dallas Stars, who pre- we've talked about on this show before, who got let go by the Boston Bruins, and we're all like, what? The, what? No, that's Why? Bruce no, it's Bruce Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy? Okay, See? hold on. <laughs> They're all the same. Bruce Cassidy <laughs> went to Vegas. <laughs> uh, DeBoer was let go by Vegas. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm, getting, I'm coming back to it. DeBoer was let go by Vegas. Uh, the new coach in Vegas is Bruce Cassidy, who we were talking about on the show earlier, being let go by the Boston Bruins, and we're all very confused. So, to recap, DeBoer in Dallas and Cassidy in Vegas. And there was one more, I think, wasn't there? No, I, th- I think that's it. But we're waiting I on Barry Trotz. Yeah, and I think Barry Trotz fucked himself over here. I think he was like, you know, I want to wait and see, see what comes out of the playoffs. And, I mean, I think if you're a coach, Vegas might be one of the teams you really want because it looks like they're figuring out their cap issues. They got rid of that enough, which that tweet by the ducks was absolutely hilarious when they announced the trade Shea Weber for Dadnov and the Ducks were like, you sure? Oh, um, I also forgot John Tortorella to yes, oh, Flyers. That's it, yes. Tortorella, okay. That one we'll get to, but like Barry Trotz, I honestly think he screwed himself over trying to play this long game, waiting game to see and pick and choose because teams are just like, we're not doing this. We want to get ready pre-draft. We want to get ready free agency. We want our guys in here so we can start building the plan, going like be... If I'm Barry Trotz, Vegas is that team that you go next to. It's tailor-made for him. It's funny. like Vegas, like Barry Trotz might not have been Vegas' first choice, but it should have been Barry's Barry's first choice to go to Vegas. Yeah. Now that man's going to need a Moose Knuckles. That man's going to need a Moose Knuckles jacket, Barry Trotz, because he's going straight to Winnipeg. Winnipeg, yeah. (laughs) He's either going to Winnipeg or... Like he's definitely not going to Calgary. Daryl Sutter just won the Jack Adams, so he's staying there. Bruce Brujo just re-upped in Vancouver. Um, Montreal is signed with St. Louis. Toronto obviously has Sheldon Keefe, right? And then you start looking through the Rangers aren't doing shit. They are way yeah, ahead Gallant. of where they're supposed they got to be. Gerard Gallant. Yeah, they got Gerard Gallant. Like there's literally no openings. And Tom McClellan just took the Kings into the playoffs when they had no business being in the playoffs. Maybe Jersey? Who's the coach in Jersey? Uh, uh, John Hines. No, John Hines was the coach in Jersey. Or he is the coach. That'd be, a short, that'd be a short trip for, for Trotz. But, I mean, if there is a coaching option available, it might oh, be there. Boston. Lindy Maybe Ruff he ends is up in Boston. the Devils. Yeah. Boston. Okay, Barry Trotz may go to Boston, but does he really want to go through the shitstorm they're going to go through having no McAvoy, no Pasternak, no Marchand for until at minimum January. Maybe because no maybe because it buys you an excuse. Like no, if I'm going to take a this, coaching job and, and it no, doesn't go lets well, them go young, go cheap. Yeah, I this don't know. lets them go young and go cheap. Build your coach with the team. Start your culture from the ground up. Those guys can come back, come back in. Um, I think Cassidy going right to Vegas is fantastic. I mean, we all, all three of us said, why did Boston even get rid of him outside of probably players wanted him gone? Um, DeBoer is that coach where he comes in and he instantly jolts a team, similar to uh, Peter, Le- or not Peter Levy, Alain Vignon. 
similar to Ali Vignon, where he comes in and teams just instantly do better right away, and he doesn't really last. But we will have a year of years, hopefully, of content alone with Torts in Philly. Like, yeah. Do you think Torts last entire season in Philly? You mean like when he was in Vancouver and he tried to fight? Who was it? Or Daryl? Was it Daryl Sutter? He tried to fight in the Calgary Vancouver game. Oh God! Da- I well, Torts is, I just Torts mean is like significantly. He's going to do something that he does, right? Like he's going to yeah. say something stupid or get in some sort of stupid situation where I just see I, I, probably by January he gets fired. But no, no, he's he's stayed in every team that he's been with at least three years, Except and there's Vancouver. a reason. He's really good at turning teams around. He's really good at taking a mess and and making it respectable. He's a player's player's coach. And what I mean by that is if you're if you're not a guy like Patrick Line, you're gonna love John Tortorella. There's a reason that Well Dubinsky those, didn't like him. Did well. There's a reason that all those players on those teams though block shots. Right? Like if you don't like a coach, you're not blocking shots for the man, right? So um there's I would imagine that the traditional style hockey players for the most part are fans of of John Tortorella. He also takes like if you play hard and you work hard, he takes a lot of heat off you when you're not playing well cuz he'll take the heat oh, in he, the media. And he will go to the media and he'll he'll absolutely lambaste the media to protect his players if they're working hard. Like he will flat out get into wars with journalists and shit like that if you call out a guy that's working hard right he did it in new york with we all remember the brooksy brooksy the brooksy interviews right god i would love for john tortorella to be the head coach of the maple leaves oh my god see him and steve simmons go back and forth steve Steve simmons wouldn't know what to do with himself he would like because all the coaches kind of get he gets yeah he gets snarky you know brian burke got a little snarky at the end and you know some of these guys whatever but could you imagine if steve simmons if tortorella was the coach and tortorella has austin matthews on his team and austin matthews back-to-back rocket richard winner easily one of the better 200 foot players in the league of that caliber and steve simmons wants to write a stupid article about Matthews with COVID or read a stupid article being like, yeah, well, he he was out last night and this team lost, which a crucial game and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, boys need to go out and have Blossom's team. Could you imagine Torch just tearing a strip of Steve Simmons, that piece of shit? No, oh guaranteed. Guaranteed he calls like post game on Sports Center live now. Sports Center, guaranteed Torch calls Simmons a fucking moron. On live TV, guaranteed, and I, I would be here for it. I would be here for it. I would. And you know what the thing it. is? Instantly buys him an extra year of however long he would be here. But that's what Just I'm saying, right? With the fan that's- base alone. That's what happens to him. He he wins where he goes. He just doesn't always win the big one. Like he won the cup in Tampa. Um, he led Vancouver out of obscurity at the time. He led the Rangers to be competitive like he makes the columbus was competitive they were the most competitive when tortorella was their coach um it's just the problem is his shtick doesn't last forever that's the thing so he's really good at turning franchises around and let's be honest the flyers are a team that need to be uh mulched and turned around a little bit so 
you know, we'll see. But that's that's if I'm in Philly, I'm excited to have like you said for the content. I find it interesting that when did when did Vegas fire De Beer? De Beer's the diamond company. De Boer, De Beer, whatever. <laughs> De that fucking guy. It, when it was recent. I want to say it was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't long. Like it was a week ago or a week and a half ago or some shit. It was somewhere in that neighborhood. Like it was very recent. Because like, I feel like when I was looking up these stories, it was like within the past week. But I, I don't have that information in front of me. Although I, thought he was, I do have a question though. Have, I thought he was fired a long time ago. Maybe it wasn't a week. Maybe it was a month ago. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> but in any event, uh, Actually, I have a question. Has either of you seen that Netflix series, The Staircase? Negative. All right, well, the defense attorney in that series looks exactly like John Tortorella. So, okay, I'm going to Google this right now. The Staircase? The Staircase. Uh, Defense attorney. Defense attorney. uh, David Rudolph. That's his name. Dude, that picture. That's that's John Tortorella. <laughs> David Rudolph. Oh Jesus Christ. Right? Like it's, it's John Tortorella. Um we were talking about doppelgangers earlier. This is the John Tortorella doppelganger is David Rudolph from Jimmy, I, I threw it in the Discord chat so you can see. That's fucking John Tor that's Tortsy. You know who else looks like John Tortorella? A little bit? Vince Russo. He does. Yes. Very good call. But like, I mean, you can't really look up. I mean, let's see. I guess type in Vince Russo now, but like Russo is so disheveled now (laughs) that it's not. Well, he's he's a little heavier than he used to be. Yes. Yeah. The the picture that I'm looking at currently is not flattering. His head's tilted back and he's got his third (laughs) chin popping out. So um so the the point i was going to make on DeBoer, whatever you want to say his name is however you want to pronounce it um he was fired last month and they jumped on bruce cassidy which to me says yeah i mean it says a the high value of bruce cassidy because they couldn't have planned on him being available do you know what i mean so they probably had other options in mind they were probably interviewing other coaches and then bruce cassidy is available and they just fucking took all the papers on the desk and went and they and they were like, yeah. Bruce, Brucey, over here. Well, it's probably like they were probably getting ready, saying, "Here's who's going to be available." These teams that are either in the Cup final or Conference final, those coaches are going to be sticking around. So they're like, "This is what we're going to be working with." And then when all of a sudden Bruce Cassidy comes up, they were just like, "Wait, what? Fuck yeah. it, do it." One hundred percent. That phone call was like, Brucey, we're going to send a private plane your way. Bring you to Vegas. Here's 10k in credits at the casinos. And that man, <laughs> that man, here's that man was treated to VIP rooms for sure. Entertainment, a little Celine Dion or whoever's performing this week. Hey, and that would be a fantastic show, I'm sure. And that man was sold instantaneously because he took the job real quick. I mean, yeah, because you only really heard about him talking to them early and then it seems like the next day they're like nope closing in right it's it, like that whole deal went down real quick so and i mean if you're if you're cassidy and you look at the even like the roster that they're they're icing let's be honest they should have they should have made the playoffs with that roster 
Um, so I don't think they're they're too far removed from being competitive again. So he's probably walking into a real good situation. He gets to coach a a full season trained refreshed Jack Eichel. That's got to be a healthy challenge. Mark, healthy Mark Stone. Healthy Mark Stone. You know, world class defenseman Shea Theodore. There's yep. a lot to like about that team, right? Oh. So. 100%. And like it's Mark Stone, you got Jack Eichel, you've got uh William Carlson, you've got uh like you said Theodore. I mean, that's a place I wouldn't be surprised at, you know, kind of going back to what Dustin said earlier, Josh Manson landing. I mean, yeah. Vegas, that'd be a good spot. He I I'm sure he enjoys the West Coast. You know. Well, we know he doesn't come east. Who doesn't enjoy Las Vegas, right? right? And that's the other thing. Who doesn't enjoy Vegas, right? I mean, I know the early talk of Vegas was, how's this going to work out for a pro sports team where you have a bunch of 19, 20, 21-year-old millionaires and, you know, throughout the league, how's this going to come in? And I would say early signs in terms of, you know, with hockey, it's been a rousing success. For football, it's been a success. I would imagine, like... yeah. And now they're they're gonna move the let's be honest, the Oakland A's are going to Vegas. Like that's where they're going. Every team that goes to Oakland goes to Vegas. All right. So it's well, just a matter of time. Let's see. I, I mean, I, I think that is the smart money probably is on Oakland going to Vegas, but did you ever see those pictures of the new proposed stadium in Oakland? No. No. Nice. They had it was really cool. Um Who's gonna pay for it? All six hundred fans? <laughs> That's the problem where they're not exactly doing a great job of illustrating that they have a fan base that wants to be there anyways. Um, but it was really cool. Like there's a number of things with this proposal that had like this gondola that went from like, a near train station. It would just, you know, cable car you right to the stadium. It was really cool. This is, this is it was sick. actually, it was actually something that like would be a good template for Toronto. If I know there was talk of the blue Jays building a new stadium in like the, in the land that was, reserved for google that they ended up like just abandoning and you can build the, the new baseball stadium there and just run that gondola back and forth from union station perhaps maybe uh maybe you can also connect that gondola over down to bmo field where there's going to be some big construction happening because toronto was officially announced as the as one of the many host cities <laughs> of the world cup in 2026 only two of the host cities got to be in Canada. And as we discussed on the show a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, um, there wasn't a snowball's chance in hell of it going to Edmonton because it's fucking Edmonton. Okay, guys? As much as like, yeah, the facility is really nice in Edmonton and time zone this and time zone that, who gives a shit? If you're, if you're going to have two cities in, in Canada, it's going to be Toronto and Vancouver. And maybe Montreal is an outside like option not in terms of this tournament. I just mean like if we're talking about Canadian cities and what you want to showcase as the main cities in Canada, it's Toronto, Vancouver. That's like, I don't think there's any argument to anyone. And that's not a Toronto person thing. That's not just because we live here. That's because most of the population of this country lives here. But the point I'm getting at, if you look earlier today, there were some pictures posted I don't know if it was on the uh, BMO Fields website, but there was concept images that have been floating around in press releases today about what this new stadium is going to look like. And essentially what they're doing is adding a couple extra stands on the north side and south side of the building. And, oh man, BMO Field is a weird, weird building. And 
I think the coolest thing about BMO Field, and I don't know if you guys want to pull this up. I don't know if you remember what this looked like. When BMO Field first opened, it had just that one stand on the, well, it had stands on both sides. And by both sides, I mean the east side and the west side. But the east side had just the one low rising 100 level or whatever. And on that TV shot, so the hard cam is shooting towards the field and you see the Toronto skyline behind it. And it looked like they were playing in the middle of downtown Toronto. It was one of the coolest shots in all of professional sports. And then I guess as the team got more popular, they had to add more seats. And now that FIFA is having the World Cup in this building, they've required the city of Toronto to include an extra 15,000 seats. So what, I think you had the numbers, James. It was like yeah. 45,000. So, yeah. So 45,000 is the absolute minimum that FIFA requires in order to host an event. Uh, uh, BMO is currently at 30,000. This new plan will put them up to 45,700 seats. So an incremental 15,000 seats are going to have to go into BMO. And that, you know, when you, you talk about looking at the stadium, I'm struggling to figure out where without making it look like an eyesore. That's the, that, that's the biggest problem is like, how do you add these seats onto BMO? With it? Again, some of the coolest things about BMO is like, is the access to the water and the open air that flows in through the stadium and how there's areas on the north side where there are no seats at all. And you can just go chill on the floor behind the net if you want. Like it's general admission, just go hang out there. I think that's one of the cooler things that you can do in any any venue in Toronto. I don't you can't do that anywhere. Like obviously you have the flight well, deck the flight for deck, the Blue yeah. Jays, but that's like that's not quite and the, the same and thing. And the standing like, this room is like, the standing room at uh the Scotia Bank. You can waltz up there. There is want. standing room, but it's it's still like a five hundred dollar ticket for a Maple Leafs game. Yeah. <laughs> up in the six hundred level. So it's not like there's a good option there either. This is one of the cooler things that you could do at a sporting arena in the city and it's gonna be gone because they need the extra seats. So it's interesting. It's BMO Field was never built for this. Obviously, no, they and, I don't think they it was, predicted the popularity of of soccer in the city. I don't think they predicted. Obviously, they didn't predict getting a World Cup. What what I guess I'm most concerned with is when you think about soccer stadiums or like the homes of of teams that are in that upper echelon of the game I fear that this is going to you're going to add seats and it's just going to make it look like a dump like I'm afraid that it's just going to look weird and awkward and it's going to take some of the mystique out of it I'm a little I'm a little concerned about that because there there is a certain I think and I know part of it is is the fans that go that make the atmosphere but I think there's something to be said about going to an Anfield or whatever. And, and like, there's, I mean, those are places with a lot more history, but I don't know. I, I, I have a weird feeling in my stomach about this. Like, it's just going to look fucking weird. That's a good point. I never really considered. Like, obviously when the world cup games happen, 45,000 tickets, no problem. But when TFC is playing a home game in April, uh, they, I don't think they get, 15,000 people in the 30,000 seat stadium as it is. So now you're going to have 15,000 people in a 45,000 seat stadium. 
it's not going to sound the same. And I mean, I still talk about the Argos, who barely average 8,000 people a game. 8,000 people in a 45,000, like 45,000 seats. That's more than what they would have Rogers. had at the Rogers Center when they played there. Yeah. Well, that's the whole reason they left. It was because it didn't look good. Yeah. Right. And it just uh, didn't sound good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it was just that or if it was also like the Rogers Center was never perfect for the Argos because it's yeah. not. I mean, the Rogers Center is technically not perfect for anything because it was like Dude, remember Jack when the of Raptors all trades, like master of none, right? Remember when the Raptors played at Rogers Center, Skydome? Of course. Yeah. Man. But like, yeah, like I, you're right. That's that. I wasn't even getting to that point, but now that I think about it, like maybe, hopefully it's modular. <laughs> like hopefully it's, but it can't be, right? It can't. It can't be. No. You can't like, modular so 15,000 seats. at one point add temporary stands on the south side. And I don't remember what, it must have been for the MLS Cup or at least the playoffs. And But those temporary stands probably added two to 4,000 extra people. And there's temporary stands as it is right now on the north side. But again, that probably adds a few hundred people. Like we're talking about adding 15,000 more seats. Like there's no way you can do that temporarily. And if you could, like, where would you put it? <laughs> like, yeah. how do we like fold this back down and put it away somewhere? I'm concerned. I don't know. Yeah. And I, go ahead, Matt. No, no. I was going to say, like, I get it. And it's great for the initial. But I feel like it's going to look like Brazil or Sochi after the Olympics leave. <laughs> You're yeah. going to have like shit falling down and look yeah. deserted. And it's just going to be such a bad look. Like, is this an investment in the game or just enough to get by? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, if it's just like, like Maddie said, like, if it's just, if this is going to look like Sochi in Brazil and it's going to be a fucking ghost town in these seats and they're just going to fall apart, like, that's not going to help the game. Like, it's not going to inspire anybody to go. And if it, if it dulls the atmosphere, like you said, like, I mean, as two guys who, who worked live events for how many years, like atmosphere is, is paramount. So I don't know, man, like. I'm sure it'll be rocking for the World Cup, but the day after, when it's just Johnny come lately is is sweeping up an extra 15,000 seats, I feel like it's just going to be real fucking lonely there the next MLS game. Like, you know? I think what this needed was something that we've been talking about in this city forever. Like, someone just needs to front the money, whether it's the city or some other external company that wants to make some money you start building up down to you and whether that's a brand because at some point they're going to want an nfl team here right i don't know if it's ever going to happen but it's never going to happen unless you have a football stadium yeah. so and the blue jays have been talking about forever of moving out of the rogers center now i know they have sizable plans to do some renovations this offseason but Rogers Center is still not a permanent solution for the Blue Jays. Well, and it's also a what? fucking eyesore. Like, it's, it doesn't look like a nice stadium. It doesn't. Like, compared to other ballparks in the MLB, like, externally and internally, it doesn't... It's not very aesthetically pleasing. I mean, no, as someone a, it, who... It looks like a lop of concrete. Yeah, as someone who lives in North York, I hope they don't choose Downs View because I don't want that traffic. But the... I prefer the development on the waterfront like the Bay area in San Francisco and stuff like that. I would like more of that. Um, If they tear a part of BMO down to build it up, like somehow, or like they do a full on, 
I, I'm afraid of I'm afraid of the patchwork that I get I me mean, like you know what I mean if they commit to making it look good and it becomes an attraction even more so then I think I'm okay with it but if it's just patchwork then I'm nervous like if it's like amateur hour and like bush league type yeah that's what I mean like if it's just enough to get it get them in like just enough that you know they're like <laughs> fucking FIFA comes here and they're like 14,000 or 44 whatever and 99 44 995 45,000 44 996 and they're yeah. like yes we made it uh, no you know it's, what it would be is it's 400 or it's how much 45,000 yeah it's 44,999 and then the guy standing there just pulls out a fold out chair and just tosses it at the end he's like <laughs> yeah 45,000 <laughs> yeah literally pulls out a fucking lawn chair like those camping the dog chairs show one that i have yeah. with the cooler bag in it <laughs> 14.99 at walmart let's go It'll be like WrestleMania three, where they're counting like every security guard and <laughs> every concession attendant. Like, yep, yeah, we're at forty five thousand. Yeah. You got it. So yeah, I, don't know. I just I don't know. It's it's weird. If there is a plan in place, and again, it's obviously still early because we just got the approve. Like, we just got the notification that they're going to be uh, one of the host cities. Which again. Fucking, I get the U.S. has 300 and something million people, but, like, to give them eight cities and they couldn't give us three, like, come on. Like, Mexico got three. And <laughs> do you know what but I mean? Mex yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> so it's just, like, they couldn't have, at worst, given us Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, or, like, Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver. You know what I mean? Um, well, but, I think it had more to do with these are the U.S. cities. Like, that's it. Yeah. Like, we are going to these U.S. cities. That, therefore, we have five cities left, and they chose five cities from the Canadian the, and Mexico options. What was left, yeah. Guadalajara. Guadalajara um, and Monterey and Mexico City, which I'm sure also comes down to the facilities that they have there. Uh, obviously, Mexico has a lot more interest in soccer than we do in Canada. I don't think that's... No, yeah. that's not even a question. Yeah. But I, I don't. Know, I think like if there's a plan in place now where they say, okay, we're going to do this renovation, and again, this could be going on in the background we're not aware of. But they said because then it's also going to serve this purpose. It's also going to serve this purpose. We're going to, you know, the women will be able to use it, and the men will be able to use it, and then we can use this for Rugby Canada as well to try and maybe make a bid for Rugby World Cup, or you know, maybe they try and promote cricket and they use the expanded for you know trying to increase the popularity of cricket in Canada and then, you know, then, then cool, I'm on board. But if it's literally just for this and let's be honest, boys, we're paying for it. Like, I don't know. Well, I guess that's, that's kind of a downer on it. Right. Granted, there's that 10 million they got back to our conversation of, you know, this foul money from soccer Canada. Yeah. There's the renovations aren't cheap. So well, the city, I imagine the city's paying for this. The city owns the building, so it's not like yeah. MLS soccer Canada is coming in to give them the money. MLS the city getting for. the money. No, but doesn't oh, MLS own the building? No. Yeah, no. The city of Toronto owns BMO Field. MLSC just operates it. Oh, I thought they owned it. Yeah, a lot of people do, but no, it's definitely, it's 100% owned by the city. And so that's why I don't, so here's the thing. The city of Toronto knew and I, the reason why City of Toronto knew, because I knew. 
Okay, because so if I knew the city of Toronto knew well before this, but I knew that they were doing this renovation to BMO Field. I knew this in 2018. So the city knew probably well before that. They had 10 years to figure this out. 10 yeah. years by the time the World Cup happens. What I mean, like 2026. In 10 years, you could have got the funding and you could have built a new stadium somewhere. Yeah, I don't think I Instead think it's too of, early to to build a new stadium, but I I don't think it would have been too early to temporarily house TFC to reimagine BMO for what's incoming because I like BMO still relatively new in terms of in, in, in terms right, of stadiums and in the that. land of where BMO is, there's not much more you can do in terms of making it bigger other than what they're doing is tacking on more seats and building it higher up. Yeah, if yeah, you want to build a left to right, new, left. new facility that can also accommodate an NFL franchise. Left and I don't check. know if that's even necessarily something they want to do, but that's something that everyone's been talking about for years. Left if to you right, want though. an NFL franchise here, you need a building for it. Left to right, where Exhibition is, where old Exhibition Stadium is, where BMO is, what what is preventing it? I guess there's no point in going left to right because... You don't well, touch my fucking food building. <laughs> right. So the food building is right is just north of it. If you're talking like just west of that building, there's all the like the exhibition stuff. Like you can't knock down like medieval times. And then to the east of it is but you can. Rico Coliseum. Well, you can, but you're not going to. Like the city would never allow that. Yeah. And I think that's the problem. Is it's built and I think that's the problem. It's built on a historic national yes. land like it's not private and i think maybe that's what you're getting at like because of yes. that like you're so handcuffed to what it can or can't do so my problem is let's say they do build a new building then what the fuck happens to bimo and it sits there and becomes sochi in brazil no the bimo field would become exactly what it is right now it is for tfc and it's for the argos the intent of the new building and the way i'm reimagining this is you have a football stadium and you have a new baseball stadium and the Blue Jays play there, and the Toronto Thunderbirds play there. Like you are building this for the future, and that then there's going to be an NFL team here, so and that's then where big soccer play. events would play there. And in situations where you have the World Cup, or in situations where the Canadian men's national team are playing a major event, or at some point the women's World Cup will probably come to Canada as well. That they will play there. Uh, at some point, you may host a Super Bowl. At some point, you may need a building to host WrestleMania or AEW All Out or whatever it is. Like it, it, We're talking 10 years down the line when you're yeah. going to have these major, major events. What happens when, I don't know who the next big band would be, like the Rolling Stones need a facility to play. Because BTS. the way they're doing, <laughs> the way they're renovating the Rogers Center, and yeah, BTS could exactly be 100% what it is. The way they're renovating the Rogers Center, they're making it in such a way that this is going to be a 100% baseball facility. The way that BMO Field is currently, and the way it probably will be after the renovation, it is 100% soccer and football only. There's been like one concert at BMO Field when it first opened, and they never did one ever again because it fucked up the, the field. So there's never going to be a concert at BMO Field. There's never again going to be a concert at Rogers Center after they do the renovation next year. So when you get these big acts like the Foo Fighters, like Metallica, like the Rolling Stones, like BTS, like uh, Taylor Swift, where are they going to play? Yeah, Toronto's event space is actually quite antiqui antiquated. And I believe that when they renovate Rogers Center, they're not adding seats. They're removing seats. They're removing. Yes. Yeah. So I, I get what you're saying. Like, we don't have that 
that oh we would need a, a, a big house like ann arbor to host bts are you kidding <laughs> well especially on now they're on indefinite hiatus no so they walk that back as i'll side a uh, quick tangent here quick sidestep um just like butter uh for all you bts fans you know um so they made that statement because they have a song called butter jim whatever so sure, man. whatever they made <laughs> they made that state they made that statement the stock dropped 1.7 billion won. This is your this is your time. You explain what you got to explain. So, so 1.7 billion won would be the equivalent of 1. Point, like, or 170 million? I roughly. Think? Yeah. Like roughly 170 million. So then the next day the members they have a came stock? Said, no, 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 like we're still What? They're publicly traded? Well, it's the management company that oh. manages BTS their stock plummeted so the way it works in korea is these these guys and kids and girls are essentially handpicked when they're like 12 years old and they go to school and train from 12 to like 18 and then they release them as like a, an act okay it's it's a weird industry i'll t- have Lindsay tell you about it one time the u.s but national development program for hockey it's oh. it's pretty much that it's one of their <laughs> biggest exports it's crazy it's unreal what these kids do but um so the stock plummeted so hard that they had to come out the next day and say, no, 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 like, you know, it's not like a hiatus. We're still going to do some stuff, but we're also going to do our side projects of solo stuff, which is very typical in Korean pop groups. Um, but yeah, like it was, and a lot of it they think has to do with the military because in Korea, you got to serve mandatory two years military when you turn 18. Um, sometimes you get special exemptions if you're like an athlete or whatever to delay it. Sometimes very rarely you get completely exempt. Um, so they think like some of the older members of BTS are going to go do their military service. The younger ones are going to do the solo stuff and then cycle them out and then whatever. But anyway, yeah. So I digress. You would need a lot, um, <laughs> a, a big spot to do, to have BTS here. And the to- only, the only thing I really know about Korean culture is from the show, uh, Vincenzo, which was an incredible show on Netflix. It's a very good show. The, the hockey scene where he's taking slap shots at people. Oh it's my hilarious. God. The, so the hockey scenes made me like die laughing because it's very clearly like he was wearing a uh, St. Louis Blues jersey, but they just like blacked out the logos his NHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I noticed that too. Yeah, but um, the, the, honestly, Korean TV is great. But yeah, like their fans, the fan base of BTS is unreal. And we love you. We love you, BTS fans. So ultimately, yes, they need a bigger building there. And it would be great if the Blue Jays could build a new building there uh, because the Blue Jays are a hot ticket as well, even though they're getting pumped by the White Sox right now. They had a series against the Yankees this weekend where they were averaging attendance well over 40,000 people per game. And the Blue Jays ended up only winning one game from that series. It was the Sunday afternoon game where they ended up winning. And boy, what a celebration. So here's the thing. And there's a number of Yankees fans that made this point on Twitter. And as much as I don't like uh, Twitter Yankees fans, I, I kind of agree to a certain to a certain point. I agree with them on this. The Blue Jays, sure, came back from like a seven run deficit or whatever it was run, yeah. to win the game 10, 10 to nine with a grand slam and then a three run shot the next inning. It was pretty cool. Bats flipping everywhere, but man, they celebrated that win like they had just won the pennant. And the, the Gatorade shower is happening after every win, guys. Like, it's, 
is getting a little ridiculous. That has to stop. So that's, I guess that's my question where, and I know as hockey guys, I think I know where you probably exist on this. And I think I may have the same opinion where it's, they need to take it back a bit like this. I understand you want to celebrate wins and you want to like keep the morale up and, and I know every win is important and against the Yankees, it's important, but at some point it starts to look like you are the, like you're the jabroni, you're the, the Barry Horowitz that just rolled up skip and you know, you're celebrating like you just won the big one where you just won one of three games. Like you guys lost the series. Baseball yeah. has always been a problem for me for this because, and Maddie, I don't know if we, I'm sure we've had this discussion before. Oh, probably the wild card victory, like, or like when they win and like they're doing the, the championship <laughs> yeah, win, celebration one game in the wild card game. And, and they've got like the goggles, the champagne, they got the goggles. The yeah. Beer, and oh, like get toasted. And you're just like, you still have like 20 games to play before you win anything. Like, you haven't won anything. You're just alive. You know, like, that's all... You survived. You know? And let, let listen, the Jays' win was a big win because I think I think it was Pat Tabler or it might have been uh, Joe Siddle that said it. Down the road, if the Jays pick it up and they start clawing away at that deficit, because, again, right now the Yankees are 11 games up on the Jays who are in second in the AL East. There's an 11-game gap between the Yankees and second-place Toronto Blue Jays. But if they start clawing away, they start getting victories, they start making up some ground, and they play the Yankees later on the year in some divisive, decisive games. Could be two different words there. They can look back on this as a moral victory. Like, this is something that they can take. I mean, I was hoping they would take even on this road trip. Apparently, they're not. Um, as, as something to keep, keep you amped. But yeah, there's a, there's something to be said about you know there's was it was it Vince Lombardi that said act like you've been there before. I mean, I think it's one of the most cliche things in sports. Well, yeah. So regardless of who said it, it it's accurate. Where it's like yeah, you you should act like you, this isn't the first time you've ever done this. It goes back it's to what I said from yeah, it is embarrassing, and it goes back to what I said through well, conversations. Even the whole stupid this isn't the trailer or this is this is the movie now. No, shut the fuck up. Hit the damn ball, win a championship, and say that was the movie. Then you say that was the movie. Say whatever. Say the porno. I don't care what you say it is, but like they they haven't won shit. They're second. Yeah. They're not even first. I think well, I they're the first wild card team though. Yeah, that's yeah, Goggles. that's like being. Oh, I'm not. I I don't want to go there because like it'll get us into a lot of trouble. But um, I think the, I think what pisses me off the most too is, again, and I this is coming from obvious a very obvious hockey culture from Jim and me, is that you're taught literally that, like from three four years old when you're playing to. Just shut up. You get out there, grind, and you know that the work's never done until you win, and not just win a game, but win a championship or a tournament or whatever. That you know it's great to enjoy the win, but it means nothing until you deliver the final game. And I think what pisses me off with the Jays is a couple things. One, it's like again, you guys aren't who what everyone 
said you were going to be. So you have a lot of ground to make up and you have a lot of work to do to show people that you are for real. And these celebrations, all it shows is that you're not maturing. You're still young. Like I get if it's a big win, like the one against the Yankees. Yes, go ahead. Or if it's a walk off homer. Yes, go ahead. But every fucking game, like it's just getting kind of tired for me. Also, too, like, come on, man. Like, have some respect for the person doing the post-game interview, too. Like, you know they're, it's coming, and it's like, they don't want to deal with that every night. Like, they want to be enjoying the big wins, but, like, if you blow out a team 11 to nothing or 11 to 1, and someone's running out to dump Gatorade on someone, dude, it's an 11 to 1 win. Are you serious? And I think it goes back to a point I was trying to make maybe last week or the week before. What this team sorely lacks is a Jake Taylor. They they don't no, have, they need a Roger Dorn. <laughs> they don't have a Jake Taylor on this team. They don't have a, a strong veteran presence to to rein them in and and like tell them to sit the fuck down. Like the the home run jacket is great. Mark and all. Burley. Mark Burley yeah. was that guy. Mark Burley. Do you remember that? I think it was the 2015 season where. It was the end. It was around the end of the season. Might have been August or something. And the Jays had just won their game. They went to the clubhouse and they turned on the TV to watch like the Yankees game or whatever. And Burley walked over, turned off the TV. He's like, "It's too early for that shit." Yeah. Like that's what they need. They need a veteran yeah. to like ground them and tell them, "No, like let's just play our fucking game." And we, and and we, we talked about check. this. And we thought it was Springer. We thought it was Chapman. But it's clear as day that it's not those guys. Chapman's too new, and I don't think Springer's the personality. You need you need someone who's, you know, a general, and they they don't have. Listen, Montoyo's. They need Cal Ripken. Yeah, something like that. Like Montoyo's not that guy. He's just not. He's, you know, he's not. Uh, well, I thought he was good. No, like, he, it's. I, and I don't know who the guy is. Like maybe it's a. Uh, fuck, I don't even know. Like, like I was reading an article today of guys who might be like a Charlie Blackman or, um, I mean, it Mike should Moustakis. have been Joey Votto. Joey Votto uh, would be a great choice. You know, maybe we can package him with Louis Castillo in a deal to get, uh, you know, and send Hunjin Ryu back. But there's, he'll never play again. Actually, now that I think about it, that's actually a really good trade idea uh, to get Joey Votto. I'm gonna start looking up. I'm gonna start making some calls. You know, that, the money works that way, right? Because Cincinnati's going to want out of money and, and we need to send money to make it work back. And, you know, but it's... They they do need a guy like Avado or Moustakis or something, like somebody who's who's played in high leverage games who knows that your win today is meaningless, you know? Especially in baseball. Yes. It's 162. Yeah, and they're at like 70. Yeah, <laughs> if that. Not even. Right? So. And like, I don't know, man. I don't know. It's just, I think, like, for us who, I mean, in Canada, obviously, we get accused of having, like, center of the universe syndrome, you know, being in Toronto and stuff like that. But we kind of have, like, small man's complex in the big world of sports outside of hockey. Yes. And I think then. When we want to say we want to build and be something akin to the Yankees and whatever, or the Red Sox, or the Dodgers and shit, they don't do this shit. You no. know, they don't, like, the big wins, they will. You'll see something. But every, like, 
again, I'm not against it when it's a win that meant something or you're down, say, 6-3 and a guy smacks a grand slam for a walk-off, then yeah, you do it. Or you're down one and two-run shot or tied or whatever, then yeah, you do it. I just think like every every fucking game, you just, again, you look like a bunch of kids out there and it's amateur hour. And yes, they are young, but at the same time, if you want to show people you're all about business, then act like you're about business. All right, our final story of the of the week is about business as well. Um, so this is an interesting one. And I guess this kind of falls in our wrestling corner. So if you're only here for sports and talk about uh, our week, <laughs> so maybe it's time to check out. But this is probably the most interesting story of the week. Um, and we'll have to tread lightly because obviously there is a, a legal, put, potential legal ramifications of this story. And for full disclosure, I am also a shareholder of WWE. So take that for what it's worth. So this broke on Wednesday last week. And it was an article in the Wall Street Journal that says a longtime chief executive Vince McMahon agrees to pay departing employee with whom he allegedly had an affair, according to documents and people familiar with the board inquiry. What they mean by board inquiry is that there was an email sent to the board of WWE. Uh, it was from a friend of the victim, the alleged victim. Hold and on, before you get into this, if, if it's an affair, wouldn't that be consensual? And then how is there a victim? Well, is there, is there no, some we'll, we're like, well, thing I'm, of misconduct? I will get into, we'll yeah, get into, into this. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I just want to be sure here. Okay. Yeah, so, yes. So the, I guess the headline here is that he agreed to pay the departing employee with whom he allegedly had an affair. And it goes on with a bit more detail. Uh, so January 2022, separation agreement uh, bars now the former employee who was hired as a paralegal in 2019. Uh, it, this, so this agreement barred her from, or barred them from discussing their relationship with Mr. McMahon or disparaging him, this person in this email said. So there was an agreement signed in January that prevented this person from talking about it, some sort of NDA. And that's why the email came from a friend of the alleged victim. So the board's investigation began in April. And that's an interesting caveat to understand. Uh, this non-disclosure agreement claims uh, by former female employee of misconduct by Mr. McMahon uh, and one of his executives, John Laurinaitis, who is the head of talent relations for WWE. Uh, it says the journal couldn't determine how many previous agreements were being scrutinized. So there is a situation with this particular uh, former paralegal, but the Wall Street Journal article is indicating that there could be other previous NDAs that were signed as well, given uh, similar circumstances, but there's no confirmation of that. They just know it's the whole thing is being investigated by the board. So this email that was sent to the board on March 30th alleged that uh, Vince McMahon, who at the time, uh, who's 76 years old, I thought he was 78, 76 years old, initially hired this woman at a salary of $100,000. This paralegal in 2019, uh, salary of $100,000, but then increased the salary to $200,000 after beginning a sexual relationship with her. The email to the board also alleges that Vince McMahon uh, gave her like a toy to Mr. Laurinaitis. That was John Laurinaitis, who I spoke of earlier, the head of talent relations. The board is investigating the allegations in the email and the people familiar with the situation. Uh, 
my friend was so scared. So this is the quote from the person who wrote the email. My friend was so scared that she quit after Vince McMahon and lawyer Jerry, uh, in this situation, Jerry would be Jerry McDivitt. Uh, Jerry paid her millions of dollars to shut up. The initial email to the board referred to Mr. McMahon, longtime lawyer, uh, Mr. McDivitt. Okay, I got that part out. Uh, who negotiated the deal according to people familiar with the board. So, okay, so all, what all this Wall Street Journal thing is saying. This person was hired as a paralegal in 2019 with a salary of $100,000. Was then given an increase in salary to $200,000 after beginning an alleged sexual relationship with Vince McMahon. Then when she was relieved of her duties, I don't know if she quit or she was fired or whatever the case was, but when she left the company, uh, she was paid $3 million non-disclosure to not speak about the affair. So there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, Initially coming out of this, I think everyone was obviously up in arms about it. Obviously so. And there's a number of questions that arise from this. First of all, when the board knew, the board's known about this for months. So that's one incredibly interesting piece of information. Two, uh, Jerry McDivitt, the lawyer of Vince McMahon. Also interesting because McDivitt is paid to represent the company. Actually, I'm not sure how that works. Because McDivitt has always been the lawyer to represent Vince. But that's also because Vince has been the CEO of the company. So I'm not sure if like McDivitt's going to represent Vince and there's going to be a different law team that represents the WWE because I feel like it's going to be pulled in a lot of different directions. I'm just curious, like, where does McDivitt's like <laughs> loyalties lie? Is he representing Vince or is he representing WWE? But I digress with that one. The question is now the $100,000 increase in salary is that a proper use of company money. There would have to be some sort of due process that would suggest that this person did deserve a raise, a 100% raise, due to the merits of her job. If not, that would be an improper use of shareholder money, and that could be a serious issue for uh, Mr. Vince McMahon. The $3 million, and I I was trying to get this in a second, but I, I... kind of got derailed there. The $3 million that were paid in this NDA, Jerry McDivitt, the lawyer of Vince McMahon, was saying that that money was not company money. So, and that kind of goes back to our conversation with Soccer Canada of like, where's the company money and where's not the company money? But I guess if you can see the money clearly coming out of Vince McMahon's personal checking account, fine. But I think what's interesting is that there's not denying that this money wasn't paid. They're not saying this person was not paid $3 million to not talk about this. They're just saying it wasn't company money that was used. So there's a few different angles we can take with that. However, a few days later, it gets even more ridiculous. On Friday, there was a press release that went out at 7 a.m. on Friday morning that essentially saying that Vince McMahon has stepped down as CEO and chairman of WWE during the course of this alleged misconduct investigation. In the interim, his daughter, Stephanie McMahon, has taken over as interim CEO and chairwoman. I hate that name, chairwoman. I don't, but Stephanie McMahon is now chair of the board and the interim CEO. Which is also interesting because Stephanie McMahon just left the company 
for a leave of absence because I don't know if they actually even gave Personal a reason. reasons. Sure. I mean, I think we all immediately know. after. I mean, this immediately is after meaning. Stephanie leaving, they had made it clear that they weren't happy with Stephanie McMahon in her position. So there's a whole lot of wackiness there of like why Stephanie was the one being brought back. So now, I don't know where we want to start with this. Actually, there's one more thing I want to add to this. Not only this, okay? So we had the story come out in the Wall Street Journal on Friday. It was picked up by every media outlet on the Thursday. On the Friday, there's a press release come out that Vince is stepping down. However, he is stepping down as CEO and chairman, but is remaining in his position as head of head creative. Of creative. And few hours later, like, by the way, Vince McMahon is going to be on SmackDown tonight. So Vince comes out on fucking SmackDown. Okay, (laughs) so Vince comes out segment one on SmackDown. And he he basically says, okay, so I I guess I don't really have to paraphrase it that much because he's talking on the microphone for like 30 seconds. Then, now, forever, together, welcome to SmackDown. That's what he said. He said, he echoed what the signature of the show says. Where it says, then, now, forever, together, and then, welcome to SmackDown, or whatever the fuck. And then he walked away. So, what I, and as we're recording, Monday Night Raw is happening right now, and he came out and said some bullshit on Monday Night Raw, too. So, like, this guy is on camera more in the last four days than he has been in the last four years right when this these allegations come out. So what I am assuming is what he's thinking of doing here is just to pretend like none of this is happening and he's just going to beat well, this thing as if it's nothing. He learned this strategy. Go- he learned this strategy from one of his friends. Someone who's really good at doing this. And that's Donald Trump. Donald Trump. You go out there, rally the troops. You say things that are going to... like Then now together. The most important thing, together... He's rallying the quote-unquote WWE universe behind him. He's making sure... What did he say on Raw? Do you know? Um, I was... It had it on mute as we were talking on the podcast, but I don't think he said anything of substance because he wasn't out there for very long. See, he's, he's purely trying to... And listen, what, what was wrong or what isn't wrong in this is very muddy. Like you said, it could be consensual... Paying people raises for, you know, banging you is probably not a good use of company money. Hush money is never good. Passing someone around to John Laurinaitis is probably really bad. So, yeah. So here's, that's the thing. Like, there's a lot of gray area, like you're saying. So, like, the the quote of given to John Laurinaitis like a toy, I don't know what that means. Like, I can infer if you want to keep your what job, implying. like, like if someone's like, if you want to keep your job, you need to blow John Laurinaitis. Like that's, that's, that, that's not, one potential inference right. of what that says, but it, it could also potentially mean that I don't need her on my team anymore here. Just, I don't I, like, we don't want to fire you, but like, just go be John Laurinaitis assistant now. And right. like, he well, could have literally just moved her from team to right. team, but they could have done and, that. Like that's because passing if, like a toy, but, they but I, done I, that. I doubt they make it word it like that. I know, but oh, like, yeah. it's not but, specific enough of a claim to really attribute it to anything. So that's what, that's what I mean. Like, there's a lot of gray area here. Um, the, the hush money, I don't know if that's necessarily unusual given the circumstance of who he is. 
Whereas I'm, he's an, oh, what I'm ahead. saying is like, he's an old man who is, I mean, married on paper, but I assume him and Linda haven't been together for decades, but he's married on paper. He has all this money. He doesn't want the attention of this, you know, relationship getting out. He's like, here's some money. Just go away. Like, I'm not, I don't know if he ever assaulted this woman or I don't know if he did anything illegal at any point. I think a lot of rich guys might do that. Where but here's the, so here's I have the thing. This, I'm having this affair. Here's money. Go away. But here's the thing. The definition of assault now is changing because of things like power dynamic, right? Like, was she pressured into saying, okay, was she pressured to take the money? Was she pressured? You know, and I mean, let's, uh, we can sit there and say, who would be pressured to take $3 million? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, if I was banging Vince and he was like, you shut up about it. If, if, I, if I was a butthole surfer for Vince and uh, he was like, I'll give you $3 million not to talk about butthole surfing, I would be like, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. And I would not feel I pressured. Have another. Yeah, I would not feel pressured. I'm like, you want one more for old time's sake? Oh, uh, you'd, you'd feel pressure somewhere. Yeah. You want a goodbye? Then now together forever? <laughs> uh, <let's laughs> well, then uh, that begs the question, what would make you want to come forward then well that's the thing it's not her maybe she maybe she just vented to a friend and said she's stressed out in a moment of you know she's just not feeling good her friend you know as friends do can sometimes say i'm doing this for them they won't do it i'm just gonna do this do you know what i mean Um, or which is possible or she or, said to her friend, I, I want to get out of this. Can you do this? Because I can't say anything. Or $3 million doesn't, or $3 million doesn't absolve you of, of any pain or suffering. Absolutely. Or, and here's another interesting angle, and the Wall Street Journal article kind of implied it, maybe they're coming forward to speak their story to encourage other people of also telling their story, that, something that may have happened similarly. Because they are suggesting yeah. that they don't know if this um, is isolated, this investigation yeah. of the board is an isolated incident, or they're investigating multiple incidences so, of the same nature. There's a lot I of interesting. Say, quickly before you jump in, there's a lot of interesting pieces around this. In, in like you mentioned, timing. Steph stepped down for personal reasons, right? And we don't know what those reasons are. Nope. Kevin Dunn sold a shit ton of stock just before this news came out, which he's obviously a very high up person in that company. So there's a lot of- On the Wednesday, it was one of the highest trading volume days of that stock in history. Before the news, just before the news. Before, just before the Wall Street Journal article came out. Yeah, so- Can those guys get slammed for insider trading a little bit? Kevin Dunn is being investigated for insider trading. Possibly. Yes, he's currently being investigated for it. So that's the thing. Like there's a lot of muddy water here. and the fact that Steph is being brought back now, some people are like, "Oh, it's just a, a shadow government." Like Steph is just going to do Vince's bidding. There's a there's 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 enough to say that maybe she doesn't give a shit. I think there's enough to say that who knows whether she stepped down because she heard and she doesn't agree with what's happening and didn't want to be associated with it, right? Maybe it's, yeah. You don't. We don't know. Maybe you know she comes back because now she has the ability to, to change things and, and bury the man. Maybe his appearances on SmackDown and, and Monday are goodbyes. They're very, they also are very reminiscent of, of celebrity goodbyes. Like, you know, it's, it's just very cryptic and odd. And like, he's like a hundred. So like, I don't know. It's, it's what I, what I think is weird. interesting with the, the Stephanie angle of it is I bet 
they had said to her, look, th- shit's going to hit the fan. And you have a, even though you're not with the company anymore, you have a lot of shares with this company. And it's in if, your best Vince interest, steps, yeah. if Vince steps down, which he's going to have to do. So I bet this is the conversation that's happening on the Thursday. So a day after the Wall Street Journal article, but a day before Vince officially steps down. Like Vince is going to have to die on this hill here. So he's going to have to step down temporarily, at least, maybe permanently. If he steps down, we have to appoint a new CEO. And it better be a woman. We can't, like, we can't appoint Linda. She's been gone for years. We can't appoint Shane. He has no experience doing this job. He doesn't we want can't, it. And he probably doesn't want it. Hunter we can't appoint Hunter because of his health conditions. So our options is yeah. Stephanie. Or, or, external. or, or Nick external. Or Nick Khan. And it's, if it ends up being anyone but a McMahon, that share price just tanks. Right. So they probably said to Stephanie, look, I know you don't necessarily want this job. I know you're at home or you're on a beach somewhere and you don't give a fuck anymore. Just come in, be the interim CEO. Vince is still going to handle all of creative. You just have to be the figurehead. So the share price will level out and then you can cash out later. Yeah. I don't know. That's my assumption of what happened. I think I, I do think there's some, some weight to the whole like background, they knew this was coming, whether they knew for a few weeks or because you don't write an article in the Wall Street Journal and without tipping some heads to be like, especially with a company like WWE, where to gain access and favoritism, you probably have to do some things for them in terms of write some puff pieces in history or whatever. So I'm sure there's someone in that company that said, I can't stop this. This is going to be coming out. You need to be ready for it. Right? Yeah. Like this is this isn't an article that you write overnight. This is one that you prep. You probably have a few months if not like weeks or months of research and due diligence done to write a something like this unless you're Breitbart or Rebel News or some shit <laughs> that you're doing your due diligence. So, I do believe there's some weight to that. Well, yeah, and a part of their due diligence, as you're saying, is they had reached out to their attorney, Jerry McDivitt, and they had reached out to the board for comment. So, like, they knew this article yeah. was coming. Like, they would have been, co- exactly. there would have been conversation back and forth with the outlet. So, right. So, and I do think that I, I think there, again, Steph is probably just kind of disgusted. She probably, it was probably one of those things in the family where they're like, hey, we know you're doing this shit behind the scene. Don't ever, fucking let this get out kind of thing and like a guy like vince has probably been doing this shit for years you know whether it's with talent whether it's with other unknown females whether well, we don't know that but i no, mean said i mean you can you can assume that we could bl- I, I mean if it were to come out i would believe it i guess is what you're yes. trying to say. <laughs> yeah so like i guess i guess i'm just at the point i'm just as much as we're all sports fans and you know, I was used to be a big wrestling fan. I've kind of got out of it as I got older and I know you guys are still like heavy into it, but in just sports in general, I'm just so sick of this shit happening. Like I would love to just sit here and be able to like joke around and make stupid comments on sports and talk sports and get serious about sports. And it be about sports, not about this shit. And at what point do like, freaking old dudes in power finally just 
or just dudes in general in power just get to a point and i'm not saying it's exclusively men because obviously we know like women can just be as bad but at what point does this fucking shit end yeah i mean it's one i guess the whole thing is like it's one thing just to have the affair like you said he's probably but just the nature surrounding it like you don't pay someone to shut up unless they need a reason to shut up Mm mm-hmm yeah like the like you could almost look at again as you said dustin the three million was apparently vince's own money you know they've assured to say that was out of his own pocket but couldn't you then attribute that hundred thousand dollar raise to being hush money paid out by the company well that's what he was yeah that's what they were saying right like so well yeah that's that's where the area is like the three million dollars you can say okay fine but that 100% raise, that's a use of company money. That, yeah. That's it, where he can get burned. Right. And, you know, if I was a showholder, I'd be like, so wait, you're telling me your booty, like my money is going to your like side squeeze or your tertiary squeeze or whatever. You know, it's not going to, you know, the product. It's not going to the talent. It's going to you getting your penis wet. Do you know what I mean? Like, you can draw that conclusion from it. Like, as a shareholder, whether it's minor, medium, or large shareholder, I'd be tilted. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's that's just one side of it, and which is probably more the minimalist side. Because we also have to look at the alleged victim in this situation. To think of, like, where the world has come and to still be in a position of an old, rich, white dude like throwing his money around and treating you like you're nothing like but that's disgusting man that's what comes like that's i think the whole problem with power dynamic in situations like this is that we don't know what that person was feeling at that point in time whether they felt like they had to do this to keep their job whether they looked at it as an opportunity and then once it ended you know, do I have to take this money because I'm not going to have a job here anymore there to get me like there's so many different variables that really should just shouldn't exist. Um, and they all come from and I guess that's the problem is is reduced to the lowest common denominator is the fact that somebody in a position of perceived power having an influence over an individual and, and having different consequences based on on that influence and i think that's the issue like i mean bosses have been banging employees for since time but i think what we're beginning to discover is that the ramifications from doing that and the reasons the employees are banging the bosses not the bosses banging the employees might not always be out of that boss is hot or that boss is like a lot of it we're starting to discover our fear of consequences if they don't or and things like that so i think that's you know even outside the three million the fact that like i said three million had to be paid is is a red flag because it means somebody like i don't tell you to shut up if you're not being annoying or you're not saying something i don't want you to say so you know what is it that's being hushed for three million dollars because I would imagine an affair would mean nothing to the McMahons. Probably not. Yeah, I, I like I said earlier, like I don't 
think Vince and Linda have been together for a number of years. So a so normal affair if, would mean nothing to me, right? Like, right. Like if they came out, so, Vince had an affair, they would be like, and? Right. Like I think everyone would have assumed that Vince was having an affair for years because, I mean, just given the scenario. So well, it's probably cheaper. <laughs> right? Like, it's probably, Vince saves more money doing this than he does going through a divorce with Linda. Let's be honest. You right. know? Like, I'm sure when they got married, there was no prenup. Vince didn't have the money that he did. There was probably no prenup that, you know, now if they get a divorce, he's losing half. And she's taking half that. And so it's just easier for him if he's like, look, live your life, do whatever you want. I'll live my life, do whatever I want. It's an easy situation. We don't deal with the media shit. We don't deal with the public eye shit. It's just, it is what it is, right? So it's probably, he's probably saving money on this one. But now, I don't know, man. It's just, it's hard. It's, it's like, and again, I also want to say too, like, I don't want to say that every situation is someone says something happened and then we instantly believe them. You know, like there are people out there who quite wolf, a very minimal people who take advantage of a situation and whatever. And I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but like you said, is what's going on in this person's life to make them finally come out with their story in a roundabout way, like through somebody else in their friend's email. Do you know what I mean? It's. Yeah, that that's, I think one of the biggest questions is. I'm honestly caused, trying to wrap my head around this. Like what caused them to come forward? And obviously it was difficult to come forward just based on, you know, how just difficult in general, how it is to talk about something like that. If you are in a situation like this and the NDA obviously getting in the way of being able to talk about this openly and freely. So there's a lot of factors here. And you said, you I mentioned- think that's a good point, Maddie too, where it's like, we can't necessarily convict Vince McMahon of doing anything until he's proven guilty of doing so. So of course we will wait to, well, the only reason I, that, I, think, I think the only reason I say that is look what just happened with, you know, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard is everyone jumped on and believed her right away, vilified and essentially ruined the guy's life. Right. And then just went through that whole shit where he was, you know, kind of vindicated in his, you know, defamation case and things like that, that there are situations where shit like that happens and we have to be aware of that, you know, in the unlikelihood but still it's a possibility i just yeah i don't know like i said it's hard to wrap my head around this because you're dealing with people who like literally when they say you know money's no object and that's people you know that make 150 250 a year these are people that make like 3.6 million dollars in six months I think what'll be interesting here is is the people who didn't sign NDAs, former employees, like you mentioned before. Like who else? Yeah, we've already already seen even talent. That's what I'm saying. Like we've already seen. I think Maria Kanellis tweeted something, uh, not so flattering uh, about culture. Uh, Forgive me if I'm wrong, um, but I'm pretty sure that was out there. Um, You know, so that that'll that will be interesting in and of itself. the other piece is for for all that has been written it seems like stephanie is well liked by talent and 
a lot of them were happy and excited that that she would be there so that's interesting um so yeah there's there's a lot of different angles to this um and you know just to your point maddie yeah i think you know the narrative quickly became believe victims and i'm not saying don't i just think we should maybe change our our mentality to support victim search for truth yes Um, because i think it, it offers both sides some leeway without without saying you know oh support the accused you know like sometimes sometimes when we were like oh you can't just believe the victim it sounds like support the accused um so if we change our phrasing and our mentality to support the victim search for truth as opposed to believe yeah, the victims like, you know i think like you said it's it's listen to what they have to say and say you know what if you firmly believe this we'll support you in your search and your endeavor to bring this truth to light yeah however that is now if but also say like if you're lying, you also have to be a, you. If you're lying, you're a piece of shit because <laughs> yeah. you're going out and ruining someone's life, right? Like this isn't just like, you know, two people sit there. It's like, oh, you took the last slice of pizza. No, I didn't. It was this person. Like it's not that. You're but, literally ruining somebody's and, life. In this instance, though, there's there's a money trail, and I think that's yeah. <laughs> again, like Dustin said, there's it's even worse because there's two two money trails. <laughs> Yeah, and one they're one they're they they're not denying, and the other one that they can't deny because that would like it's common knowledge within the company of how this person was paid. Uh, I think what the 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 most how should I say this? <laughs> if it was me, if it was me, and I was a forty-one-year-old woman, I don't see myself getting in a relationship with a seventy-six-year-old man. But I, I mean, that's just me. What's I mean, the possible positive year said that she loved her husband, right? What's so. the possible positive outcome? Like what what could, like $100,000 raise? No kids. And a $3 million hush payment. Right. You know, so that's what so I mean. That's like, that's a potential angle of way a lot of people are looking at this and when they see it on paper and, and they see the age ka-ching. of the alleged victim and they see the ala- the age of the alleged uh abuser. It's it starts to paint a picture in your head that we don't have all the answers to yet. So sometimes we're filling in things that may not be there, but yeah, when you look at it on the surface, it doesn't look good. So because of that, he has stepped down temporarily as CEO and chairman. Before you do move on, I do want to say one thing and I just thought of this now. Sorry. I hate the idea of an NDA for situations like this, right? Like I legitimately do. Because it's just like, if you're a dude in power who has an unlimited fountain of money, you could do whatever the fuck you want and just sign an NDA and I'll give you $5 million. What I think should come with an NDA is a severe, severe investigation of, you know, like if you give two people fucked and they're just like, sign an NDA, you can't talk about the affair, fine, go nuts. But if you like sexually assault somebody, the NDA should be contingent on a thorough criminal investigation. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, that's that's tough to pull off, but um, because the minute you go there to sign the NDA, <laughs> they're gonna no. Be like, I, I know what you mean, but it could be like a quiet investigation where it's behind closed doors, sealed records, and shit like that, and whatever. But I just think like I think it makes it too easy for rich people to get off on well, shit. Listen. So here's 
Here's a quick excerpt from Google. An NDA creates a confidential relationship between two parties, typically to protect any type of confidential and proprietary information or trade secrets. As such, an NDA protects non-public business information, like all contracts. They cannot be enforced if the contract activities are illegal. Okay. So if there was some sort of illegal... And none of this so far, he hasn't been accused of anything illegal. No, no. I, I want to make that clear. Like, he, hasn't been, he hasn't been accused of doing anything illegal thus far. But had there been some sort of illegal behavior, that that would not be covered under an NDA. That, that Crazy thing is, the illegal behavior would be the payments of company money for this broad's raise. But that's um, not even illegal. That's not illegal. That's just a misuse of company funds, which can illustrate that you're not fit to be the chairman of the company yeah so listen it's not illegal matter. to like ruin your own company sounds like he can be chairman of hockey canada so <laughs> he will fit right in with all those guys that's for sure yeah but yeah i don't know it's just like it's a weird situation to be in like when you start dealing with that kind of money and that kind of like like people involved in shit like that it's just you you don't know what to think because it's very easy, like you said, to go to a place where it'd be like, oh, Vince did this, Vince did that, and blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, you try to remain objective and just say, well, what are the facts and what happened and shit like that? And again, like you said, he's not he's not accused of anything illegal, just untoward, right? So, I mean, at this point, it's a PR thing where it's just you done fucked up, you got to go away for a bit. So... That's kind of, yeah. yeah. It's definitely sped up the process of him transferring power to someone else. And we'll see if Stephanie remains in power after all this or Vince resumes control. But we will have to find out in the weeks to come. And we will have to find out what the next episode of 43.6 will be in the weeks to come as well. Thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. It has been 43.6, episode 10 of 43.6, the sports podcast you've always wanted. I'm Dustin. He's James, and he's Maddie, and we'll see you next week. Bye.